baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Dan Menigan is in today. Jeff is off. He'll be back with us. Uh, I don't know. He thinks he's got a little bit of time off here, so we'll see when he comes back. Uh, 216-474-0092. Don't read it. He's just doing some family stuff. 216-474-0092. 216-474-0092. That is the number to call into the show, and you can always hit us up on social media, X at CLE Talking Heads. All right, so one of the things that I think we all like to talk about this time of year is what are the Browns going to do with this roster? And, you know, a lot of times we'll sit here, the season will end right away, we're like, oh, that guy's a free agent. Oh, that guy's a free agent, too. Ugh. Ooh, maybe we can get that guy in free agency. So as we sit here and we kind of, you know, look back and, you know, we're kind of watching the combine over our shoulder here on NFL Network and we're talking about what we want to see for the future in these college players that are all getting to show some of their stuff, except for Marvin Harrison Jr. today. And by the way, before I go any further on free agency, who cares that Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't speak today? Who cares? The Indianapolis media? Is that it? He made an appointment, and he didn't show up for it. If it's like my dentist office, that's a fine. Made an appointment, he didn't show up. It's like 10 bucks. Did he make an appointment, or did he show up? He got, he they, you know, they measured him, and then he left. He that made mean, an appointment, the, and he didn't show up. And again, if it's like my dentist, that's like 10 bucks. Made an appointment, he didn't show up. That's okay. It's inexcusable. Your dentist office will send you 10,000 emails and a bunch of... <laughs> no, it's no big deal. I'm just having fun with you. It's it's no biggie. He met with teams. He met. He got his measurements done, and he took off. I don't think Marvin Harrison Jr. sitting at a podium answering questions from the media is going to change his draft stock in any way, shape, or form. It just was one of those that made me laugh that this was a headline thing followed by a, a quote from an NFL spokesman. That we needed to get a quote from an NFL spokesman saying, he's not here. I don't know what you want me to tell you, but he's not here. <laughs> it's just, okay, yeah, that, that works. That makes Mar- sense. Marvin, does it feel sense. weird to be running sprints in essentially the house that your dad built as a wide receiver? Is that, I mean, really, is that the question? <laughs> is that it? <sighs> Congratulations. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Right? That, I mean, really, that's about it. Right. All right, so we are 10 days out of legal tampering. Okay. Legal tampering begins uh, the 11th of March. So it's kind of nice to get this going. And I, we have somebody who sits in the studio every single day from 10 to 2. And he lets his opinion be known, which is what we enjoy about him most. And that opinion screams a certain position over every other position needs to be addressed by the Browns and is needed to be addressed by the Browns for, I don't know, how long? Uh, Moses, at least. I mean, minimum Moses may even go back to Noah. He has been addressing this, saying that the Browns need to address wide receiver. Right? He uh, telling you that, you know how some people like to put those signs out in front of their house that say, 
My kid plays at so-and-so school. I'm telling you, Dr. Redpen would like to get one of those signs that my team needs a wide receiver, and he can leave it out there. So, not to pick and on him. And what other signs would be there? I'm just trying to think. Not to pick at well, him. We all know. While he is not here. Okay. Because he would defend every last bit of this. Yeah, he would say, I don't have one of those signs. Andy. He would have to say my name, too. I put together my power, just a quick power ranking, three positions, nothing massive, of okay. where the Browns need to address when legal tampering opens on March 11th. And I don't have wide receiver sitting at number one. Um, guess what? I'm looking at mine, and neither do I. Okay. Folks, is Jeff right or are we wrong? And we will run this back for him if you want that to be known. And the reason that I don't think wide receiver sits at 1-1 one is because... They addressed it last season. We saw five games of Deshaun Watson, the top-tier quarterback, play with these wide receivers. We saw five games of Deshaun Watson with Elijah Moore. We saw five. We saw less than that with Cedric Tillman. Not to mention, I watched Patrick Mahomes take a group of wide receivers that I think none of us had heard of before our fantasy football drafts this year and win the Super Bowl with them. The only one we had all heard of was MVS. And... The only reason we had heard of him is because they invested a whole chunk of money on him and they cut him when the season was over. So, like, if you bring in a top-tier quarterback and he plays like a top-tier quarterback, he raises everyone around him to the same level. That's what top-tier quarterbacks do. You have made that investment into Deshaun Watson. Okay, I'm not trying to turn this into a Deshaun Watson conversation, but if the organization believes that Deshaun Watson is a top-tier quarterback, then you don't need head over heels, 1-1, here Mike Evans, here's all of our money, come save the franchise. Hmm. Okay. Does that make sense to you? Yes, but uh, so I'm just trying. I'm sitting here trying to figure out what would Jeff think too, and I'm not. I don't want. He'll he'll tell you what he'll, <laughs> he'll tell you what he'll, he'll tell you. Go get more wide receivers. And here's a list of guys who have bummed and who have flamed out at various places that he take a lot of ticket on. I one of them my, would be named Denzel Mims. My question more on wide receivers: Do you want to draft one or do you want to bring one in a free agency? And and let me because wide receiver is on my list. It's just not top three. Like, I want them to go out and get a wide receiver. I'm not going to be mad if they get a wide receiver. Um, but it's not my priority at this point. If I know I've got a bag of money and I've got to give part of my money to X position, I know this is what I want to do. Should wide receiver be the top priority in free agency? 216-474-0092. Should wide receiver be the top priority in free agency? 216-474-0092. What is your top priority? Defense event. I put defensive tackle, so I went so probably too far off. Two for me is defensive tackle because you told me to split them. Yeah, I split them two, and I went defensive end second. So there you go. So okay. we're on the same general wavelength on this stuff. The reason that I bring that up for defensive end overall, so Darius Smith last year is the one who's leaving this. He's gonna lo- you're losing sixty one pressures. Is he leaving? Do we we know it's a fact? Well, uh, uh, okay. Zadarius Smith is scheduled to become a free agent. Is that a better way to put it? Yeah. Now, we just, I mean, one of our top stories today was about, you know, a Chiefs player who they thought they couldn't afford. Now it sounds like they can't afford. And so now he's going to stay. It sounds like he's going to stay, that they're moving in the right direction. With this expanded cap space, does it make it easier to bring Zadarius Smith back? I, I was funny. I was listening to somebody over the weekend, and they were talking about how, oh, they got to get Miles Garrett some help. They got to get him some help? 
I thought Zadarius Smith was great last year. I, I thought, thought he did a great job. I thought Double O was awesome, too. I, I did thought he too. did a really yeah. nice job. I, I, you know what? I, I, I'll, I'll throw that in, too. You know, the only way you let Zadarius Smith leave is if you want to just move Double O over to the left side, and boom, it's done. And originally, that was the game plan last year. No one saw Zadarius Smith coming in. None of us. No. Especially the, after they signed Double O. No, they were able to get him for a song, so they did it. You know, it was... We know this Jim Schwartz offense. We have seen it, or defense, I should say. We've seen it for a year. We saw it with Philadelphia. We saw it with the Lions. He brings waves of pressure. He brings waves of pass rushers. He likes having at least four defensive ends, if not five defensive ends. And he likes having four defensive tackles. And he can almost do it like hockey line changes and bring all of these different guys in. So then that way everyone continues to be fresh and can go full bore against an offensive line that's out there the entire game while you are rested. That's how he likes to play. So even if you let Zadarius Smith go, that's still number one to me. You know, If you bring him back, Boy, it wouldn't even shock me if they'd still look for a pass rusher. I think Alex Wright's ready to go. Like he, he looked really good this season. Where are they with Isaiah McGuire? I, I don't know either. I mean, so I like that could have a factor. If you feel healthy with Alex Wright, Double O, and Isaiah McGuire, then maybe you let Zedarius walk. I, I I don't particularly want to see them let him walk. No. I don't. I, like if you ask me who my priority is, he is it. He is number one. Now I said the position of tackle is number one, and maybe that's because I'm hoping they'll bring Smith back on the end, and then that changes things up a little bit. But, you know, when I look at uh, when I look at the uh, when I look at the tackle spot, you know, you've got free agency. You've got Shelby Harris. You've got, he's a free agent. Uh, most, Mo Hurst is a free agent. Jordan Elliott is a free agent. So, they've got to make a decision there on guys they want, guys they're willing to let leave, and free agents they want to bring in. And if they think they can upgrade... You know, they made the investment in Elliott by drafting him in the third round in 20. Now, are we past that? Now that we're at 24, are we good to go? It seems like their philosophy has changed a little bit on keeping their own draft picks or deciding when it's time to say goodbye. They've been able to, you know, let some of the, they've been able to kick some of the birds out of the nest. Let's be honest. I didn't, all the birds were staying in the nest before last year. Don't kid yourself. Don't kid yourself. They they very much were favoring their draft picks until last year, and it's almost like Cade York was the well, maybe not Cade. He York was either. probably Anthony Schwartz. I think Anthony Schwartz was the first one where they really threw their hands in the air and said, "We messed up. This guy's not ready. We can't. We can't have this. We need to move on. We've given him every opportunity. We've done everything we can. We just can't have it." Like it, before, then there hadn't been many of those that we could point to that this front office who didn't that were not drafted by them, let go. If they drafted them, they were staying. And it was really Anthony, it was Anthony Schwartz, and then it's moved to Cade York, and now we've seen it more and more. With, on the defensive tackle side, you would lose Maurice Hurst. Again, these are all pending free agents. So you never know, people could be re-signed, all that kind of stuff. Maurice Hurst is 18 quarterback pressures. 17 run stops. This is all according to our friends at PFF. Right. Shelby Harris, 22 quarterback pressures, 11 run stops. So stop basically a play for a negative yardage is how they classify a stop under Jordan Elliott on the pass rush side of thing had 13 pressures uh, on the quarterback this year. So these are all guys who found a way to get to the quarterback and definitely helped out in the run game along the way. And they're going to lose a chunk of them. Not as much Jordan Elliott. Jordan Elliott only had about eight stops in the run game. So it's going to be fascinating to see where this goes. But, yeah, I'm, I'm defensive line. 
I am I'm defensive line first on this. Like, if you want to mix all of those on there, I think that is way more important than wide receiver. Because I paid a lot of money for my quarterback. <laughs> and it's time. Like, I can't keep throwing resources at a quarterback I paid a whole bunch of money to, no matter how high the cap goes. At some point, I need to see that guy, and I need to see him play well. All right. Give us your power rankings for the Browns' free agency needs. We gave you our top one. I have other other ones after position. So, you know, we both are talking about defensive line, whether it's tackle or end. And to, to the two of us, to Dan and I, which I'm kind of surprised we actually agree on this, we both think it's defensive line. Now, are there other priorities? You bet. But the other question is, do you think wide receivers should be the top priority when it go when it comes to going out there and getting a free agent for the Browns? Let us know. 216-474-0092. Baskin and Phelps with Dan Menigan. Jamel White, former Browns running back. Spectrum News 1. He'll join us next. Or join us at 11 o'clock. Yeah, that is next. 216-474-0092. That is the number to hop in. We are power ranking the Browns' free agency needs as we sit here and watch the Combine. It is kind of fun to watch the Combine sometimes, isn't it? No? Yeah? No? It's not my It's not my thing. I don't mind watching the Combine. Like, I'm okay with it. It's it's like, you know, you, you watch a track meet, right? It's not my thing. I'm sorry. I don't I'm have not trying to be watch rude. It. I don't. It doesn't bother me though. Like it doesn't. There are some things I think are super boring. I I can I can. I can. James, have you watched combine at all? The forty times, yeah. like seeing them lift. Yeah. Some of the other drills is just kind of, eh, but the but forty I, times for sure. Yeah. Like, would you watch a track meet? Absolutely. Oh man, I love watching the track meets on uh, uh, on the YouTube. Yeah, but would you watch it if it was on regular TV? Absolutely. Their channels. Yes. Yeah, me too. I don't know, Dan. I know you would. Well, yeah, I mean, track track is a different animal. I there's just something about I, I've never liked the combine. I've never been the biggest fan. I like I like the idea of putting everybody in one place at one time, right before free agency starts. So you get a whole bunch of rumors, and you could get a bunch of people speaking, and you get a whole lot of you know everybody kind of mingling with each other, and like that part of it is fun. But the whole exercise part of it is always kind of like this just isn't for me. This is not for me. A, a track meet is a different animal. I I enjoy a track meet. I'll watch them on TV. You know, I I will watch I will watch track and field when it comes to the Olympics. I think we got the Pan Am Games coming up. I don't know if eh, I think we got a little bit before those, but we will have some track meets coming up. But like, I don't know, the combine never did it for me. It always it's just not my speed. Is it overrated? I mean, I think you're about to say it is. So, and as a matter of fact, I think our guest at eleven is going to tell us that he thinks it is too. So I've always thought that the tape doesn't lie. I've always thought that that was the route that a lot of teams end up looking. And I feel like the media more and the draft Knicks and all that stuff who follow this stuff all year round are the ones who really sink their teeth in and go, oh, so-and-so ran a really good 40 time. You know, so we should pay attention to them more. It's like the, the Rams don't show up to the combine. Like they're not there. They'll talk and then they'll leave. And that's becoming more and more of the thing where these guys will show up, they'll talk, they'll mingle, they'll talk to the agents and all that kind of stuff at hotel bars, and then they leave. They're not there for the drills. They're not there for all of that stuff. They'll do their interviews. That's a massive part of it is sitting down in a room with these guys and getting a feel for them. But, like, the whole exercising in your underwear part, not a ton of teams are there for it anymore. Uh-huh. It's, that number is dwindling. I think after we talk to Jamal White coming up here at 11, you're going to think it's way overrated. 
because I just talking to him before we bring him on the air. Right? We were I was asking him a couple questions before we that we can't talk about on the air. And I think one of the things we forget about is that schools have their own combine days. Uh, if teams really want to take a look at somebody for a workout, they're coming in to go check them out. So I think there's a little bit more. I just wonder, you know, what the combine is going to look like in the future. Didn't I asked uh, who did we talked to yesterday? I was asking about this. Oh, uh, Andrew uh, um, Siciliano. Siciliano. And he was kind of like, yeah, you know, it was weird because he said he was leaving already. I was like, yeah, again. Yeah. It's also weird when you don't have a first-round pick. It's become more about Monday through Wednesday, Monday through Thursday, than it has become people exercising. And I think that's just because now we can get a hold of tape a lot easier. We can get a hold of these numbers a lot easier. We can get a hold of all these different things. And I think these teams are now just like, I am here because everybody's at the same place at the same time, and I can go get lunch with this agent and gauge the interest for this free agent. I'm trying to think like who it is. Gauge the gauge the interest in Baker Mayfield. Okay. To see if he's somebody that would want to come to our team. Gauge the interest in Kirk Cousins. Is he going to leave Minnesota, or is he going to take a hometown discount to stay in Minnesota? Or is that somebody that the Falcons could have their eye on to want to bring in? You know, like I think that part of the combine is massive. I think the reason the combine is there is minimum. Chris, North Ridgeville. What's up, Chris? What's happening, Chris? Hey guys, how are you today? Good, how are you? Good. Hey, um, so I think the combines are relevant for high school athletes getting recognition by colleges and going to those events that are put on all over. I think for the NFL, you know, five minutes after uh, Andy, you talked about it the other day, like how quickly we get information and what's important and what's not. Right. You can get combine clips from people in like five seconds on Snapchat or YouTube. So the times, like at, at the end of the day, they're putting these numbers into some system and then they're using whether it's analytics or just the eye test to uh, figure out if those are good metrics for somebody. Height, weight, 40 time, vertical, any of that stuff. I don't think that they need to be there because they have – what, another month, two months before they have to draft anybody and another few weeks until free agency. So I don't think you need to be there in person to analyze this. You're going to have time, and somebody, somebody's going to get those numbers, and they're going to be recorded. I go on ESPN and find it next week. So there's no sense in wasting the time and money to go do that when you could be uh, spending that time maybe thinking about somebody in the free agent market. Yeah, I actually so think, I, the, the and Chris, just the, the underwear Olympics part of this, is kind of a sidebar to all the other meetings that are going on. I never, it's, 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 I never ran my 40 in underwear. I always wore shorts. Oh, good for you, Chris. We were worried about that. <laughs> Chris, so I, I thought you brought up something really interesting because I see this all the time, and this is kind of a little bit away from the conversation, but when you, like, if your kid is playing high school football and you're in that situation, I, I always wonder, you know, you, you see a lot of these are, okay, you got to go pay to be in this combine. You know, and I was—I wonder about that sometimes. I'm like, if a coach, like, does it really exist that if you're good enough, they're going to find you? Well, I, I think some of it is. I think sometimes you don't always have the the high school programs that are willing to invest in their in their players and actually um, get them on scouting Ohio or something like that and really push that when they speak to the college coaches. Um, and I think that you go like Raw Talent's a great a great organization that's here in town. Um, that's also in Texas. And for like 250 bucks, they'll take you to multiple Big Ten colleges and let you go to combines and that they have those relationships um, with the coaches to, 
to come see you. So kind of get it's important. You just kind of get their gas money back to make the make sure those kids get the opportunity yeah. to be seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you like I can respect. Up, I, I respect that. Here, but I think I think that you need to. Some of these people need more help getting recruited than others. I think there's a lot of talented people that might not be at big schools. Frankly, I don't think somebody from Bay Village is going to get the same recognition as somebody from Glenville just because of the reputation of the program. So those combines allow you as an individual, even though it's a team sport, to get your name on the map. But Chris, I think when you get to the NFL, I don't think it's important. Yeah, I agree with you. Chris, great stuff. Thank you. I appreciate Thank your phone you call. Thanks. And that, But what Chris is talking about is, I mean, Ted Ginn and the folks that he works with have worked unbelievably hard to make sure that, and it's not only Glenville, guys. I mean, Ted, for years, had filled up the bus and drove, uh, drove those kids around to all kinds of Big Ten schools so other schools can take a look at them for playing. I mean, Ted worked his you-know-what off right. to make sure that these kids are being seen. And, again, the high school combine and what's taking place in Indianapolis right now are two completely different animals. There's far, I mean, it's better to get taped now than it used to be in high school. You can oh, get see, taped I, a lot easier now compared to whatever it was before. But, or, or I even call up pretty much any high school game right, right now. If I or want to, even, yeah. or even grade school. You can get taped now for eighth grades and seventh grades way easier than you ever used to be able to. Right. But in the same way, it's still not easy. It's still, there's still some level of difficulty to it because, Again, how many people are really paying for seventh and eighth graders to have somebody holding up the camera, or which coach is going to do that, or which parent? Well, is there's going a to do parent that's probably oh, shooting everything right. anyway. And, right. and so, and how reliable is that? Are they doing? And then you get into the other. I mean, there's another. Like, I, so I'll be honest with you. Uh, like, I was looking at this last week. There, there's a company called, and I've talked about them before, Live Barn, that has cameras at like thousands of rinks across the country right. and, and in, in Canada too. And so, I think they're in Canada. But now there's like this new thing that if you go on there, it'll do all your editing and scouting for you. You just type in a number of the player and the team, and if that game has been on a live barn camera, it pulls all the clips for you. It's unbelievable. But you got to pay for it. That's the other thing, too. I mean, there's a reason for it. But again, it's two different animals. What's taking place in Indianapolis and what's taking place at Schools around the area. But right. you're talking about Ten Gid and the work that he does there. What Chris was talking about with a high school combine and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's relevant. That's necessary. That's good to have because you have far less footage than you do when it comes to these guys. These guys, I mean, you you go on YouTube and the tape that you could pull up is unbelievable. And that's for us. That's not including what coaches have. That's not including what coaches' phone calls can take place. It's a different animal. I think the reason you see a lot of these teams now begin to, for lack of better terminology, leave before the underwear Olympics begins, and you're seeing that more and more, tells you the level of certainty that's taking place with these guys running. Like, how much it really matters that this person can bench press X amount because the tape should do the talking. Maybe use the numbers to compare it to somebody else. Maybe to find the diamond in the rough. Then you have the numbers that you could go to with that. But the tape will also show you the diamond in the rough. Sometimes I think that I think the one thing that you get from you know bench press and running the forty live and seeing it live, but the, the, the what you get is you know myth and legend or inadequacy compared to reality. Like, you might be looking at a guy going, oh, they're saying he's just not very good in the weight room. He's not. And then all of a sudden you see him and you're like, I don't know what these guys are talking about. Or maybe their standards are different than what I'm thinking. But by the same token, do you need to do that in Indianapolis? 
wouldn't you rather, as an athlete, have the pro team come to your house and watch you do it on your equipment? And it's why you see these quarterbacks throw for teams throwing to their wide receivers and not throwing at the combine to guys that they met five minutes before. You know, they're throwing to their wide receivers. It's their own throwing program. It's their own ideas. It's their own routes to showcase what they do best. And it's smart. I mean, it's just good marketing. Why Why would you want to show off your weaknesses? You know, that's it's not exactly the way you want to operate. So you get to show off what you do best. It's more of a controlled environment in those regards. Like, I get that through and through. That makes total sense of why you would do it. I think the actual reason we are there for the combine has changed way more than before. But more than anything. Okay. And maybe this is more for our listeners because I don't have the answer. And I don't, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I don't think you will either. Sure. In the last 10 years, who's the guy who's become the combine darling? Like, who went to the combine, was horrible on tape, showed up to the combine, was absolutely fantastic, came to the NFL and lit it up. And I don't, again, I don't know this answer. If anything, get ass at CLE talking heads with this because I don't know the answer. I don't have one off the top of my head of somebody who just showed up and was unbelievable at the combine and then turned it into an unbelievable career with having kind of a ho-hum college career. You know, or a tape that said it was kind of home. And, I, and please prove me wrong on this because if anything, we all walk out smarter, which is the goal of me even asking this question. So I can't think of one off the top of my head. I mean, you could say Cooper Cup. Well, the team that was there wasn't at the combine that took Cooper Cup. You could say the same thing with Puka Nakua. You know, the guys who kind of came out of nowhere and looked really good. Well, the, the guys who drafted them weren't at the combine. And you could find the footage of Sean McVay going, like, here's the tape. Here's this guy showing you how awesome he is. Like, I feel like we we let some of this combine stuff get in the way of what the tape is telling us. And I feel like the smart scouting staff and the smart general managers like, hey, the combine is nice. It's nice to get to know these guys. It's nice to see them on the whiteboard. It's nice to see how if they are able to translate what they do to the system that we are running or be able to regurgitate what we're telling them in a very quick way. Or get to know them personally. I think the combine for it's the sleeper guys. It's the guys who I, I don't. Everybody's on TV all the time now too, so it's not. Yeah, you know, it's not. And again, please at CLE Talking Heads, let me know because I'm I'm trying to rack my brain to think of it. And I can't think of anybody. So if I'm wrong, tell me because I want to be smarter on this. Uh, I'm looking through a list of players that were able to succeed without going to the combine, without being invited. Um, just some of the bigger names. I mean, this is from a while back. Doug Baldwin. Um, Julian, That's a good one. Julian Edelman. So those are all guys who didn't Antonio go to the Gates those was are guys not a combine guy. So those are all guys who the film, well, it, it, Edelman Tyree was a, Kill Edelman was not a, a different one. Tyree Kill was a little different, too. Okay. Tyree Kill probably would have been at the combine if not for the off-the-field issues that he came into the league with. Right. Adam Thielen. I mean, I'm just looking at some of these, some right. of the, you know, Players who've succeeded without being invited to the combine. Those are the guys where their pro days of the tape told the story. Yeah. I, I, I think it's interesting. I, I really, I know we didn't talk about it today, but that, the high school thing I think is fascinating. Like, when do you know to listen? When do you know? Because parents get inundated and, and kids get inundated with emails left and right about do this, go to this, go to this. You can be a part of this. You're getting, you're getting asked to do this. Or just, all of a sudden you're like, huh. I wonder what's real and what's not. And then you need this vetting process where you trust people. You're like, hey, is this real, legit, money grab? You're trying to figure out exactly what everything is. I will quote Keith Law. Okay. Play at your high schools. Play at your recs. 
You want to do this stuff, fine. It's our job to find you, and if we can't find you, we're not doing our jobs. There you have it. Drop the, the mic. That's Keith Law. That's what he told us about scouting baseball. You can do these camps. You can do all that stuff. That's on you. If you're good enough and we can't find you, we're not doing our jobs. Hmm. Jamel White, former Browns running back, joins us next. Baskin and Phelps with Dan Menigan. Baskin and Phelps, 92.3 The Fan. 216-474-0092. Dan Menigan in today for Jeff. Just trying to think. I think he's the 26th leading rusher in Browns history. I say that because I know how humble he is, and he will never say anything about it. He is a former Browns running back and also does the postgame show on Spectrum News 1 uh, following all kinds of big-time games. He is Jamel White, and he is on the North Olmstead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. What's up, 26? What's happening, Jamel? First off, why do you always do that? Because you're my I don't friend. understand. Because you're my friend. Stop that. That's Stop why. That. What's going on, fellas? What's good today? What's up with you? All right, so Dan's got a story. Right. He wants to bring you in got, first I, before we I, start I, talking for you. Jamel, I need so. you two cents on this. So earlier right. in the show, I was giving Andy all kinds of crud about the fact that Marvin Harrison Jr. didn't speak to the media, that, that he blew off his combine uh, media availability. And, you know, basically giving, because Andy's, you know, 1-1 in the Marvin Harrison Jr. fan club. And so I, <laughs> I, I had to give him all sorts of crud. I think he might be the treasurer. I'm good with it. Oh. I, the guy's amazing. He, he is incredible. Jamel, he may have been onto something by skipping this. So Roma Duzier, or Aduz, um, going. is the is speaking right now. He's the wide receiver from Washington. The guy is unbelievable. He's speaking to the media right now. He was just asked this question: Could you land a plane in case of an emergency? <laughs> Rome without missing a beat. Absolutely not. We're going down. All souls have perished. <laughs> All right, maybe Marvin Harrison was on to something. Was that his answer? That was his answer. He said we would all perish? Yeah, yeah. he says we're going down, all souls have perished. Absolutely not. I could land a plane in case of an emergency. Well, I mean, dude, why oh. would you even ask him that question? <laughs> like, why? Okay, why would you even ask him that question? You're not even there. He was not a pilot. Football play, like, why would you ask him something like that? You're right. If I was Marvin Harris, like, yeah, I'll be like, yeah, I'm out. And maybe he got caught wind to the question that was going to be asked. Andy, I owe you an apology. No, I'm sorry. I was. Well, let right. me ask you. This is a great He's question because right. Marvin Harrison should have left. This is the kind of stuff that comes. Yeah, this is the kind of stuff that comes up at the combine or when they come in to see you, uh, Jamal. When you graduated from what West Eastern Dakota Northern, that oh my god, South Dakota. I know. Um, yeah. Did you get asked any funky questions? When I went? Yeah, no. when when, like, they, when scouts were talking they, to you? No, well, they ask you questions. It's like, but they didn't ask you stuff like that. It wasn't, like, ridiculous. Like, they would ask you, like, for me, my biggest question from everyone was, how did you end up in the Division Two school? That was the biggest question I had to keep asking. I mean, I had to keep answering over and over and over again because they just couldn't believe. Like, they, they were looking for, like, yeah, I was on a run from from shooting somebody or something. Because I'm from South Central Los Angeles. So, you know, and I ended up in at the University of South Dakota. So they're thinking to themselves, like, why didn't you go to, like, USC or UCLA or another school that's a Division One school? Well, How did you end up there? So that was my biggest thing. But you just said you should have just said, I'm a huge hockey fan. And South Dakota is good hockey. And I just wanted to go watch games and play football at the same time. That would have worked, right? <laughs> 
No, man. Once I I kind of told them my situation, they were just like, oh, okay, that makes sense. So, I mean, but to land a plane? Like, who would? I probably would have gave a similar answer. Like, oh, I don't even know how you would even ask that. That is, that's not even relevant. You would have shamed the plane into landing itself. I know you too well. You'd be like, plane, you land now. And the plane would be like, yes, sir. Whatever you say, Mr. White, uh, I'm in. Duh, duh, duh. I'd be like, how many parachutes are actually on this daddy right now? <laughs> There's a joke That's there somewhere. I... You know that, right? <laughs> Some political leader, some religious leader, something like that. And and then you would. I, right. There's a joke there. Let's get, get me out of this quickly. So, please, Jamel, please. in 2024, is the combine relevant for players? Uh, I don't think so, man. I don't. I don't. I don't think that. You know, when it comes, I think the only thing that's relevant for players when it comes to the combine is like the forty. That's it. Like that's all people really, really care about is just to be able to say, "Oh, well, he he could run this fast." Because during the year, you've already you, you already seen them play. You already see what they're going to do. They're not at the combine for no reason at all. You only invite so many people. So, yeah, I mean, they only care to see a 40. Now, to be completely honest, these dudes who are doing it at their pro days or at their pro day, that's all That's all you really need to do. It. Like, when I went, I wasn't even at the combine. They came and seen me at a bowl game and at my pro day, and that was it. I I wasn't offered to go to combine. They were just like, "Why didn't you go?" So I had to answer that question too. But so you had to the tell them, hey, "You guys is, didn't invite me." Is that what you said? Or yeah, well, so here's the thing, and people don't understand this. Like the crazy part back then for a Division two school, it was not like Division two school athletes were being asked to do anything, right? You know, like you had like it wasn't the norm. So maybe they might have asked me, but the guy who actually did like our PR stuff just didn't say nothing. He might have been like, I don't, I don't, I don't know, you know what I mean? So it was completely different back then. Like it wasn't how it is now. Like the combine now, it's like a, a production. It's like a big production now. Like you letting in fans and doing all this other stuff. Back then, it was like, nah. You end up in Indianapolis. You do what you got to do. The, those scouts were. It, it was different. Now it's it's completely different than it was back then. Uh, how, do you remember how many teams you talked to? <sighs> Man, so my situation was completely different because when I was at this All Star game or a bowl game or whatever, mm-hmm. after I ran my forty, that was it. That's when everybody wanted to talk to me. No one talked to me before then. What'd you run? Do you remember? I ran a four two three. Four two three, man. I think and I run that in a ten. I thought you were faster than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just easy. Well, I didn't realize how fast man, you it. were. Whew, lightning. That, that was that was game on. So yeah. then they went and looked at film and did all that. But then people just start coming to my school and talking to me, asking me questions that night when I went back to my hotel room. I had, like, people just waiting outside my hotel room. I had agents waiting. So it was it was completely different. But now, you, you, your pro day, the only thing you have to do, you kind of tell people what you're going to do to work out for them. Back then, they told you what you're going to do. 
You know what I mean? So that aspect of football now is it's literally crazy. Like, I, I say this, and if you ask another football player who played, like, around the time where I play, I would have loved to come into the NFL right now because you play longer. It's more geared towards the player now. You got guaranteed money. You got all kinds of stuff that you didn't have back then. Jamal White, former Browns running back, says he can't land a plane in an emergency. We think he'd figure it out. <laughs> Joining us on the North Upson Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. All right, Jamal, we saw the Nick Chubb injury. A lot of people are wondering what the Browns should possibly do at running back. You played the position. You know the position well. You know the NFL well on top of that. Should the Browns make an investment in running back in the offseason so that they don't put as much, I guess, stock in Nick Chubb finding his way back? Man, it, yeah, here's the difficult part about that. I say they got to do something for running back. I mean, I think Ford showed enough to where he could, you know, he's a good change of pace back and he could run the ball and all that good stuff. But when it comes to Nick, that's a different situation, man. Like, Nick is that type of player that you want to keep around no matter what, you know, because he is not. He's not a flashy guy. He seems like he's a great locker room guy. And, you know, from a personal perspective, you owe him that. Now, from a business standpoint, it's like, all right, you just had a big injury. What can we can we restructure your contract to fit what we need? Or can we trade you to get some value out of you at this point. Like what, what, what can we do to get something out of you? And then if we can't, is there another running back out there who has value that we could go get in the off season? So there's a business aspect to it. And I think like when you deal with fans and the fan base, they don't care about the business part. They just care about, okay, for this many seasons, he did this. Well, the Browns, they can't look at it like that. And and it's sad to say that because I'm a fan of his, but, dude, there's a business aspect that they got to look at, that they got to try and continue to grow the organization and get value out of things like that. You know what I mean? So it's, it's just a different way to look at things. Yeah, I don't know how, because this is, I was going to bring up this point with you, because Andrew Barry the other day was like, he kind of went a little beyond the not for long league. Like he, you know, he he talked about his value to the organization and that he's a game changer and that you know we all know if he's healthy, he's worth every penny they they planned on paying him. So right. can you come back and try to structure a deal where it's incentive based and do that without disrespecting Nick? Although I don't think I I don't know I don't I don't I just know what I see on the outside with Nick and I have a ton of respect for him. I just think it's a weird spot for everyone to be in because the fans appreciate him. I think the organization truly appreciates him and everything he's done for the organization, but we're all sitting here kind of on needles and pins wondering what he's going to look like after the surgery and knowing what he, you know he's had to have done, it doesn't look like it's going to be an easy road to recovery. Nah, I, I think for any running back or just anybody who has like a a simple injury, not even a big injury, like even with, like, let's just say you pull a hamstring. All right. Well, in your mind, your hamstring is pulled for a lot longer than what it is because you're constantly thinking about it and you're thinking about the next play and you don't want to do this. Now, if you're a running back and you're 
like a franchise running back and we're about to put everything on you. We're going to try to. You're hoping in your mind that nothing happens like that to you again. So I think the biggest problem for Nick is going to be that mental part. It's not the physical part. Sure, he's going to handle that. Like he's going to be what he is. But when you go back out there, you're running back, you're making cuts, you're doing all kinds of stuff that maybe at other positions you don't have to do. Like alignment, you just put some a knee brace on him and let him go. You know what I mean? From an injury like that, and he, he'll be fine. But a running back, it's a little bit different, man. So I think the, the physical stuff, he'll be good. It's just the mental stuff that it would concern me about him. And is he strong enough? mentally to handle that that's that's a big part and i and i don't think that the organization is wanting to cut him because of what he has brought to the team right and if you really think about it without him over the last few years where would the browns be you know like he was like there he he was it so i don't think they want to get rid of him they're got to they got to try and do something for him but if they are going to do something to him, for the players that they truly respect, they're going to try and put him in the best position possible, even if that's a trade or working out a different deal. But they're going to try and do what's in the best interest of him. That's a hard now. place to get to in the league, isn't it, too? To be in that spot in that spot where they respect you enough that, that you got to try to figure out how to do this the right way. I mean, there are, there are very few players that get to go through that process. No, you're you're absolutely correct because most players – it becomes a personal thing with them when something happens. You know what I mean? Right. Like for him, I have never one time heard something crazy that he might've said in a newspaper or been around the facility and you hear players saying something negative about him or maybe he, he's just not been that guy. He's just, he's not the, when he gets the first down, he's not getting up, putting his arm straight like I got this first. No, nah, yeah, like you used to ball. do. I mean, when you used to do that, it drive me crazy. No, dude, when I used to do what? Get up and put my. I would never do that. I know you would. That's just crazy talk. So it's like, dude, like that's the type of dude that you want. And the NFL is in a place, and it's not a bad place, but it's in a place where people celebrate everything. And he's just, I'm gonna go. I'm going to break off this 80-yard run, and I'm just going to hang you back this ball. Or I'm going to break off an 80-yard run, and we don't really need to embarrass this team anymore. I'm just going to run out of bounds. Like, that's the type He's of stuff a pro's he's pro. Done. He's a pro's yeah. pro, right? Yeah. I, yeah. So I, I, we only got a couple more minutes here. I want to ask you a couple other questions. One, th- there's been a lot of talk about maybe perhaps having a dome here somewhere in the near future. Um, you played what Dakota Dome? Did you play? You did play in that, didn't you? That was yeah. your home, wasn't yep. it? Okay. Yes, it was. All right. You tell me the difference between being a running back in a dome and and you know where we, where you had to run here on the lakefront, and would it be to um, an advantage to the Browns to be playing in a dome? Man, well, this is how I look at it. I played in a dome and played outside when I played um, in South Dakota. So. In the dome, everybody's on the same footing. It doesn't matter who you are, what you do, however you get down, the weather does not matter. Outside, obviously, you know, the offense has a little better of a, um, of a, of an advantage because they can, they already know what they're doing. So 
So it depends, man. Like if the Browns do a dome, you can host more things. I think that's a an advantage to Cleveland itself. That's like they can have a Super Bowl here. You know, no one right. wants to come play a Super Bowl here if we don't have a dome. Like you can use it more. You can use it over the course of the whole year instead of just during football. You could put concerts in there. You could do all kinds of different things. So from a business perspective, it's better to have a dome. From a football perspective, uh, that's like that's an up in the air type thing. Like I can do a dome or without a dome. You know what I mean? Obviously I don't want to be cold and shivering, but at the same time, it wouldn't really matter to me. All right, Jamel. To everybody out there on the Marvin Harrison fan club who skipped today, I once again apologize. Roma Dunze, the wide receiver from Washington, was now asked if birds are real. That was a question? That was a real question. From the media? From or from the media. Uh, from the media. Are birds real? <laughs> Marvin Harrison was right. I'm sorry, Andy Baskin. I'm sorry to everybody out there who took any offense to me having fun with this. You're right. This is pointless. He should have skipped. <laughs> Dude, I'm that's done. crazy. I'm done. Are birds real? Oh, yeah. must have some, this, dude, this dude must have said something or did something that they did not like. Is this the same dude that was talking about he don't know if space is real? No, I think that's a different guy. Roma, yeah, oh, okay. Roma Dunze was a wide receiver from Washington who is unbelievable. Just a great wide receiver, and I don't know why this is taking place, but... Good golly, Jamel. It's just firmer hammers home that maybe right. the combine is useless. Next time we have you on, we'll think of some crazy, more more crazy questions for you. How's that sound? No, I won't. Uh, no, You're I done. won't answer. I'll just, just click. That's all you'll get. Is like, where'd Jamel go? Huh? Where'd he go? Uh, it'll be like, yeah, I hit that Marvin Harris on you. I'm on to Cincinnati. That's what you would say. <laughs> Goodbye, Jamel. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Thank dude. you. Take care. All right. Talk to you. All right. Here's Jamel White, uh, former bye. Browns running back number 25 on the all-time rushing list. If you're keeping score at home and also does the postgame show on Spectrum News 1. And, of course, he was on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. i got to hear more of these questions when we come back. We'll talk about that. Um, and we'll talk more combine stuff. Plus, Brian Anderson joins us at noon. Baskin and Phelps with Dan Menigan. Is he strong enough mentally to handle that? That's that's a big part. And I and I don't think that the organization is wanting to cut him because of what he has brought to the team. Right. And if you really think about it, without him over the last few years, where would the Browns be? It's a good question. Jamal White, former Browns running back, was just on with us. If you missed any of the interview, it is available on the Odyssey app, Baskin and Phelps podcast. Um, Jeff is off today. Dan Menigan is in 216-474-0092. 216-474-0092. You can always hit us up on social media at CLE Talking Heads. Um, also, well, I want to come back to that. You know, that's Jamel talking about Nick Chubb and the situation that the Browns and, and Chubb are currently in right now, trying to figure out the future for the for both sides. That that works out, and I think we as fans, we all want it to work out perfectly, but you never know what's going to happen. Now, there was another thing that came up in the middle of the interview and actually started the interview, and what, what, so what's the deal with the birds? <laughs> I'm just going straight to Are we really doing this on the air? Well, you know what, because you asked that question, then I, <sighs> then I made the mistake of Googling... You don't really want to know what I Googled. I Googled craziest questions from the Combine. And some of these are like, I can't believe that teams ask these questions. All right, so it is it is a great conspiracy theory. Okay. 
I'm not trying to go down this road. I'm not, please don't call us for this or send tweets or anything like that. It is a conspiracy theory that made me laugh. It has been around for a long. It has been around for a good period of time. It's a conspiracy theory that birds are fake, and in reality, they're government spies. They're not actually animals. Oh, they're just robotic goodness. government spies that record all of our conversations and send them back. Well, then, right? will you tell the government to stop pooping on my car? <laughs> well, that's how they put the microphone. I don't in understand. Your car. How does that work? That's how they. That's how they listen to inside your car. Okay. So that's part of what he was answering. I have no idea if if Washington wide receiver Roma Dunze has said anything in the regard of birds or anything like that, but that is the origin of that statement of if birds are real. And Rome responded with, uh, and Roma Dunze, of course, the wide receiver from Washington, going to be a very high draft pick, uh, one of the top three in this class, whatever order you want to put him, Malik Neighbors, and Marvin Harrison Jr. in. He said all birds are real with one exception, pigeons are fake. And I don't know if he said that out of sarcasm or I don't know if he said that because he believed it, but that was his answer when the media at the Combine asked him if birds were real. So, that, but this this is, uh, I don't know, is, is this like flat earth stuff? Is that what we're talking yeah, about? Yeah, we're kind of in flat earth territory <sighs> on a chunk of that stuff. Again, I don't know if they're trying to just, like, distract him. I don't know if they're trying to rattle him and see how he handles pressure and, and off-the-wall things and react in the moment. I think that's the thought of this is how is this guy react in the moment? Again, this is the media asking these questions. This isn't inside the room. So they're the so a lot of the inside the room questions have come out too. Okay? And so I'm looking through the past couple years. I don't even know that I'm comfortable reading these on the air. Some All right, of them. Then then don't. I'll read the ones that I am comfortable. Let's not get fired. No, I'm not going to. But <laughs> it's, it's a just, Friday. You don't want to turn this into a uh, multiple day weekend. Would you share your internet history with us? The only, I think, I like, I just can't believe some of the, these are all according to uh, Sportskedia is where I found these. What is your murder weapon of choice? <laughs> a team asked a player that like Mr. Green boxers or briefs. I don't think with that's a the big lead deal. pipe. But what do you in the conservatory? What do you gain by asking boxers or briefs? Like what's the it's I guess it's not the answer. It's the reaction to the answer. Yeah, it's the nonverbal. Right. I mean, everybody's had these when you've done job interviews. They want to see these things. Like, I was asked at a job interview once, if you were a tree, what tree would you be? Like, everybody has those. It wasn't from Poobah. Poobah didn't ask me that question. But in previous job interviews, I was asked that. Like, everybody has those questions in their lifetime. And I, I just don't know. I mean, they're, they're like, I, um, there's some sexual questions in there, too. I'm just like, what? Yeah. Like, do where do does that? a team, like, I, I just don't understand how they think it's okay to ask those questions. Uh, you know? And maybe the answer is, uh, you know what, uh, none of your business. Because they want to see what's going to happen when the media... I, I can. I, I guess maybe you ask the crazy question because you want to see what happens when someone's now suddenly, who's never really been in front of microphones before, now standing behind 70 microphones at, you know, camp. And, you know, maybe unfortunately they got pulled over for... I'm going to make it light. Like speeding or uh, jaywalking. Say they got a ticket for jaywalking. I'm just going to make it light. No, no. They got a ticket for a uh, parking meter. Let me be, let me be better. So they got a parking meter ticket, and then now they have to answer questions about the parking meter. And I think they're trying to figure out how you would respond if you started getting questions about that. Yeah, they want to see how you react on your feet. I think that's really the the essence of all of these. You know, can you react in the moment? Can you adapt? Do you get rattled? Do you can you handle pressure and still be able to maintain your composure? I think that I guess your next answer would be like, you know, that's a great question, but I'm here to talk about football. Right?
Right. That's the answer to everything then. Or or respond back with, you know, exactly what Roma Dunze did, which was, you know, if the plane's going down, can you save it? Nope. We're all going down. Just tell the truth. Don't 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 blink an eye. I've seen that automatic pilot. A very I know it works. <laughs> Otto's done wonders for everybody. A, a very, very wise man who is a great, great influence on my career and is now somewhere else has always said a man's going to know his limitations. I appreciate a man who knows his limitations. Can't land a plane. I can't land a plane either. We're going down. I I, I don't even know if I could lead, you know, lead the prayer service while we're going down. I cannot. Uh, I, this is I, Maybe they've changed their ways since 2016, but there's 21 crazy interview questions NFL teams are asking college players. This was in... 2016, so eight years ago. <sighs> what animal would you describe yourself as? What team do you pick in Madden and why? All right, I can, that one I can live with. <laughs> All right, so now people are starting to send me tweets. So our X yes. is powered by Shiba Jewelers, Cleveland's premier jewelry store. You can always send a message to show at CLE Talking Heads. Uh, Mike sent this to us. Apparently, the Illinois tight end Tip Tip Ryman, a former member or a firm member, I should say, of the Birds Aren't Real movement. Quote: Have you ever seen a baby pigeon? How do we know that power lines are pigeon recharging stations? This is where we are at the combine. That's a real question. That's a real question and a real answer from an Illinois tight end. This is where we are. This is where we are. How many different things? I'm going to ask you a couple of these. You answer. I want you to answer a couple oh, of these. I'm going to keep going. Don't get me um, fired. How many different things can you? How many different things can you think of that you, you can do one. with a paperclip? Um, let's see. Pick a lock. I could. You can. Well, you can. Yes, you, yeah, I guess. you can pick a lock with a with a paperclip if you know what you're doing. You need two, but if you know what you're doing, you can pick a lock. Um, I got four. Five. I, I can, I can make a I, hat. I, I can make a vest. I could. <laughs> you can make a vest with a paperclip. No, I was doing airplane. You made the oh, auto yeah, joke. Yeah. Yeah. Here, make something of this. I forgot about that. I can make, um, a, I can make a vest. I, can make I a would boat. put paper in there. I maybe could use it as a chip clip. If I'm bagging up some potato chips. Do they allow the Do they allow the red paperclip answer? Uh, I don't know. I'm just for looking. those of you who don't know, the there's a great. Every econ professor will tell you all the time the story of the red paper clip, which means everything has enough value depending on if you find the right person who values it. And so the whole idea is you could take this red paper clip and trade it and get a house if you find the right amount of people in that trading line. So again, these are combined questions that kind of came up. That's um, the red paper clip answer. Uh, Jeff Thomas is sitting here. I want you to answer this one too because I think you'd appreciate this one. He's not on the clock yet. He doesn't. He'll be fine. This is a great question for him. What do you want uh, if you could pick one superpower, what would it be? This is for SI.com had that super, super strength. Always was the flash. Super strength. Yes. You know how many times I've tried to open a jar of pickles and I couldn't do it. Oh, that's what if you break it though? You have glass all over the place. You, you learn how to deal the power properly. You think so? Yeah. Do you have to be like? Hulk size to do it, or can you stay the way no, you are? No, it's regular, regular I mean, size. Superman looks Damn. like a normal person. Yeah. Super speed. Always super speed. I'm not very fast, and I've always wanted to be fast. Watch the boys. You may want to question having that power. I'm just going to throw oh, that out there. Oh, no, I've yeah. you guys pick I've flight. seen what's A-Train. If you have super strength, you can jump real high anyway. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. You're, You're right. The Superman doesn't technically but you would fly. Take he the, just jumps. You might take the speed he over the falls flight. falls with style. <laughs> and grace. Yes. And eloquence. <laughs> I might go invisible. That's creepy. You think so? Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah, uh, flying was the other one. I was going flying. Flying's cool. Don't get me wrong. Flying's cool. That would probably be number two. 
because you save a lot on on you know travel expenses. But still, you know, I need this car move. Not a problem. Done. Yeah. Hey, does anybody own this car? You know what? Forget it. I'll just pick it up and move it. That's right. Not an Which, issue. depending oh. on the car you have, would you would you rather you be a cat? Do that. There's a couple geos out there that you could kind of pick up and move on your own. I got about so. 20 seconds. Would you rather be a cat or a dog? Dog. Cat. Really? They rule the world. What are you talking about? What would you do? Dog. I'd go dog too. Joe, what, would, what did George Carlin say? Blank that. I'm a cat. That's what you want. That's the attitude you want. <laughs> not this. These are not hard questions. Boxers or briefs? Last one. I'm not going there. Commando. Boxers. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to be free. You asked. Robert and Brexville, you're a friend of the show. I don't care what superpower you want. Thank you I mean, for calling. Brian Anderson's going to join us a little bit later. The Florida Man Games? What is that? 216-474-0092. Stick around. Find out. Basket of Phelps, 92.3 The Fan. Brian Anderson, super friend of the show, joins us at noon. Paul Hoynes, Cleveland.com, 1 o'clock. Can't wait to talk to Hoynes. Uh, Jamal White was just with us at 11 o'clock. We talked to him about you know running back situation with Nick Chubb and where the Browns are. Um, and so, Jamel, uh, that interview is available on the Odyssey app if you want to check that out, Baskin and Phelps podcast. So, 216-474-0092. Um, Dan, I do need to ask you about this Florida Man Games. All right. Well, before we get to that, when Jeff Thomas came in here and informed yeah. me that he found something that we needed to hear. And okay. so, I have not heard this yet. You have not heard this yet. Okay. So, I guess Adini Kinkabwala was walking around the Combine, of course, working for CBS Sports, also does sidelines for the Browns, all that kind of good stuff. And she was asking a very important question to a lot of different coaches. And one of the coaches she talked to, Kevin Stavansky. If you needed one of your current players to babysit all three of your children, who would you pick first? That's a great question. The easy answer is, is Nick Chubb. Nick, you, you trust really to do anything. I'd trust Nick to do my taxes. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> Audio courtesy of CBS Sports. I think that works. I, we were talking at the break. So I've always said the only person on this earth with a 100% approval rating is Dolly Parton. I think we can now expand that to one other person. And I think it's Nick Chubb. Oh, you think I Chubb. think Nick Chubb has now found his Congratulations, way. Congratulations, Nick. You have reached Dolly Parton's status. Yep. I think we can officially announce that. Is the only two people in this earth with a 100% approval rating, Dolly Parton, Nick Chubb. <laughs> I would have him watch my kids. I would have him do my taxes. I'd have to go through the roster to figure that out. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody well enough. I think I trust you. If I had kids, I'd trust you to watch them. And if I were you, I would not trust me to watch your kids. Um, Because I am an overgrown child. Of the hosts here, this might not be a bad question. Too bad we don't have social media where I can actually do this as a poll. What host would you most trust to watch your kids? <laughs> Which host would you trust to do your taxes? I feel like Nick Wilson would be really good with our with everybody's kids. I would say Nick. Nick do I want awesome. my kids to be alive when I came back to pick them up? I think that'd be the biggest. Ken Carmen would do a good job with them too. I got to give Ken credit. Credit uh, the boss. I got to be honest. I oh boy, this is a tough one. Taxes would be Peterlin. Peterlin's very detail oriented. See, I was going to let Peterlin watch the kids. I would trust him. You wouldn't? Oh, why not? No, we had a conversation about watching movies with your children. Yeah. And he watched, I think it was Casino with his seventh month old. And I said, you can't do that. 
I've seen all, I saw all sorts of movies when I was that age. It doesn't sit in yet. I don't know, man. He might have your kid watching Roadhouse at three, and then he comes back, and now it's a whole different conversation you're having with your child. Getting roundhouse kicked in the shin. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm trying to think of where I would um, where I would place our morning show, guys. Sorry, Lima's not exact. I uh, I don't want to be a bit on their show, so I'll stop. Mm-hmm. How's that sound? Because between the afternoon and the morning show, it's all they do is make bits about each other. Yeah. They're ridiculous. I think they just say things so they have clips to run of each other in each other's shows now. That's where they are at this point. Their their latest battle is about Mark Price. And we almost got sucked into it yesterday. But I, I don't want to like we gotta be the we have to be the adults in the midday on this. Kids, kids, settle down now. Let's not throw our toys. Oh, wait a minute, we gotta make fun of Baskin. These oh, has he done it yet today? He hasn't said anything about Travis Kelsey. Oh, well, we can make fun of that. So sometimes I feel like we're in the middle of this. We've got to be like, kids, kids, simmer down now. All right. In one I'm of trying those... to think of who, though, I would let watch my kids. I just... in the I'm kids... Glad... I, let me just say this. I'm glad my kids are older and that no one needs to watch them. At this in point. the kids, kids, simmer down now. Thing. Yeah. I yeah. feel like all of us had said that at one point or another when it has come to things that have taken place in the state of Florida. Okay. We have often looked at Florida and been like, kids, let's simmer down. Florida is a weird place. Everybody, there have been a long-running internet joke where you would type in your birthday, not the year or anything like that, but your birthday and a Florida man, and just read what comes up and sits there and sit there and laugh. And so a few people in Florida have decided to lean into this idea and create what is known as the Florida Man Games. Okay, where, what is this all about? So the Florida Man Games, of course, take place down in Florida, And if you go to their website, they have this. It says, Florida, where outlandish is the norm. You're about to dive headfirst into the most insane athletic showdown on Earth. The Florida Man Games, where the events are as unexpected as the headlines that inspire them. Where the athletes are, let's just say, unconveniently talented. Think you've seen wild? Think again. From wrestling in the mud to wrestling from actual sheriff's deputies. The Florida Man Games are where the bizarre meets the insanity. So they've listed some of their games, including weaponized pool noodle mud duel, where you test your strength inside of the Florida Man Games Coliseum, a massive above-ground pool, of course, where they have photos of people with pool noodles beating up on each other. This is an event. The Florida Man Games. The Florida Man Games. And this is all from what you were trying to explain to me. So if I type my birthday into Google. Is right. that so for those of you who don't do that, I mean, it's it's Friday and the sun's out and you're already goofing around anyway. Just you type and in the year. Don't put the year in. Okay. Just for the, you know, I, I got pigeons all around the place telling us, you know, telling the government everything. Oh, so okay. just put the date in there and then just type in a Florida man. Uh, just a Florida man. A okay. Florida man. Okay. Yep. Okay. And it. so you type that in, and this was this was a party game for a while. The people were putting it on the internet, and then put it. your date in there, right? All of this, and the date of your birthday, okay. or the date of your anniversary, or the date your kids are born, or whatever you want to do. Tax day, if you so desire. Ah. And you get funny headlines that come up that are real, one hundred percent legitimate, dumb things that have happened in the state of Florida. Do you want my? <laughs> oh my God, this is hysterical. Yeah. Is it going to get me fired? Um. A Florida man jailed after a woman found with hatchet wound. That, see, that's the Florida man game. So these games are a Florida inspired. man arrested to try trying to catch them all. I don't want to know what that is. So these games are inspired by that bit, including evading 
arrest obstacle course. Jump over fences, through backyards, and away from actual police officers to earn your freedom. <laughs> Florida man walks out of, I'll say, grocery store with 12 bottles of wine. They also have the Florida man category five cash grab, where you are in category five wins as you scramble to grab as much real money as you can. Florida man donates a barrel of blood. A catalytic converter, two bikes, and a handful of copper pipes. A race against time. Compete head-to-head in a race that lets you live a day in the life of a Florida man headline. So you steal a catalytic converter, you have two bicycles, and a handful of copper pipes, and have to work your way around an obstacle course. I feel like we need to put this on YouTube or something so that all of us can watch this. I have never played this game, but I can't believe how many, uh, like, a lot of crazy things happen on November 26th. Yeah. Oh, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, and it's not just that date. It's all of them. Uh, uh, the Florida Man game has been known for a long period of time. But now we have games in here. So, Andy, of anything I've read thus far, would you want to compete in any of these? What about the Florida Sumo? No. Where you put out a sumo ring and try to blast an opponent while holding a pitcher of beer. And whoever has the most beer left wins. Are you drinking it in the sumo suit? Uh, no, it is a gentleman holding a pitcher of beer while he's in a sumo suit and running into another human being. Yeah, so it's kind of like the... It's like bumper cars. Yeah, but that, like I've done that before. We've done the, the wrestling thing. I've done that. I did that as a story, I think, when I was in Columbus or Montana or something like that. But give me give me another one. Give me another one. So far, I'm not in love with any of the Florida Man games that you've given me. I'm out of the ones that they, they have a mullet contest going, of course, because it is a Florida Man. I, I don't know. The way my hair is going right now, I might be pretty close to that. The chicken coop bingo. Two chickens will decide whether you win or lose in this fun game inspired by the Florida family. It's kind of like uh, cow. I guess. Cow bingo. There's, is is there, there? Yeah. Is that a thing? Yes. Oh. Interesting. You've never heard of that before? No, I've never heard of that. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's the thing. Uh, the nine one one fight night, where you watch police officers take on firefighters at a boxing match. Ah, huh, that's an interesting one. I don't know that. Uh, I don't like that. Uh, I, I can't. All of our first responders get along. Well, we would like that, but you know, Florida. Oh, that's true. It is Florida. <laughs> you know, I'd I'd like to make a rule. You know, st- make a statement about that, or I. Pretty sure fifty or forty nine other states would have a better way, but Florida lives in its own little world. I'm half tempted to Google an Ohio man. No, if anything, a Michigan man. Um, why do you think there's more stories in Michigan than Andy? It, it gets weird up there. Yeah, but so do, I mean, Florida's weird. about as weird as it gets, right? Florida's Michigan give him a run for his money. Wisconsin give him a run for his money too. But the the difference with Wisconsin and Michigan is that Michigan has the UP to it, and they're like feral up there. UP is, people from the UP aren't used to seeing other people who aren't from the UP. Man, it's all death and destruction when you play this game, though. It's not good. Right. The Florida man one are just kind of funny. I'm just, the, the Michigan November 26th one is not a good one. <laughs> uh, well, well, here it is. Uh, where did you see it? Man bites dog. That is like the... This. Found it! That is the quintessential Call your journalism professional newsroom thing. You know, dog bites man isn't a story, but man di- bites dog? That's a lead, my friends. Call the journalism professor. That's the lead. Uh, so the Michigan ones aren't good. I'm going to go Ohio here real quick. I'm sure this is really boring for everybody else, but this isn't. I, I just never realized that people play this game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, 
is this a new one? No, Ohio man preparing for uh, apocalypse. Well, on my birthday, I don't think that's a. You could even call that an Ohio man. I think that's a chunk of the country. Yeah, but that was in 2018. So a lot of people doing a lot of different things. I'm assuming it didn't happen very fast because that was back in 2018. Oh, yes. So news out of college football, according to Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports. Oh, this is real news. College football is expected to add three new things: helmet communication, tablets on the sidelines and during halftime, and a two-minute warning. What Whoa. level? What level? College. Again, all levels? I, <laughs> like, just, I can't see. I like, just saw this. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Keep going. Sorry. Why? Because I have questions. You make statements. I ask questions. That's what I do. This is who I am. <laughs> I know, but it's always like, okay, I'm just trying to figure this out. This is breaking news as we are going, which okay. I should actually do it this way. Bet smarter by downloading the BetQL app and use Ohio 25 to get 25% off of your first month. Ross Dellinger, Yahoo Sports, sources college football leaders nearing adoption of helmet communication. A long-expecting mood, of course, with all of the Michigan stuff and the Michigan man who caused all of the things to take place. Uh, they are working on helmet communications between player and coach, the use of tablets on sidelines, as well as in the locker room, and a two-minute warning in a college game. After a two-day debate here this week, the NCAA Rule Committee is scheduled to vote on changes in a recommendation to the NCAA Division One Council, which rubber stamps the go. decision. So, yeah. yeah, it is Division One, The division that can afford it. Right. That's really what it is. Listen, I, I don't know. Why, why wouldn't two-minute warning be universal to the entire game? So, like, if college is going to add the two-minute warning, high school probably should do the same thing. I don't think it's a big deal. Concept will mirror the NFL. Only one member of each team can be equipped with a listening device in his helmet, and the device's capabilities end at the 15-second mark of the play clock, a mandatory cutoff time that the NFL also uses. Um... Okay, I don't have a problem with it. I don't know that all t- how quick our team's going to be able to get up to speed on that. Probably. Love it, love it, love it. It can't be that. It can't take that I, long, right? Yeah, I'm just wondering how long before teams start cheating. That's all. <laughs> I don't. I hate to be doom and gloom. I think two-minute warning, though, if you're going to put it in one level of NCAA, you should put it in all levels. And well, then you might as well throw it in we'll high school. I don't think it's a big deal. Let's get BA's thoughts, too, because I know he's got an eye on everything. All right, Brian Anderson will answer these questions next. Basket of Phelps with Dan Menigan. Who's having more fun than us? Baskin and Phelps, Dan Menigan's in. I'm Andy Baskin. 216-474-0092. So now we're hearing some college football changes. Two-minute warning could be coming to Division I. Um, tablets on the sidelines could be coming. And then helmet communication could be coming. And then there's other stuff that we're talking about the NFL. We'll get to that um, a little bit later. But we could see some changes in the NFL. Um, fumble through the end zone. Is that going to happen? I don't know. You know, without that having to be a touchback. That'd be interesting. That'd be real interesting. I don't. The whole college thing, but the fact that they're going to get communication in their helmet is going to be huge. I mean, that's a crazy thing to think about. I mean, what they've gone thirty years without having that would have been trying to avoid it forever. Then add in, um, I mean, gosh, the tablets on the sideline as well. I mean, that's going to get rid of all the different guys in different hats and gloves and all sorts of weird stuff that college the cheating. used to have. Gets rid of the cheating. Well, hopefully the cheating. 
folks with cell phones paying a lot of money sitting in the front row. Let's get more perspective on everything sports. He is Brian Anderson, former Indians pitcher, uh, is now in Tampa as the color analyst on their television network for the Rays. He is now on the North Homestead Chrysler Cheap Dodge Ram Hotline. B.A., where are you? You at the gym? What are you doing? No, no, I am not at the gym. Uh, I am en route to a another appointment. It's funny as the season starts to bear down on us, and what it was it, four weeks from yesterday will be opening day for everybody, uh, March twenty eighth. It seems like I have an appointment per day to tie up loose ends, cross T's, dot I's before the season starts because once that comes into play, then there's not a whole lot of time to do anything but baseball. So I am uh, I am driving to an appointment now. It was dentist yesterday. It was dentist yesterday, which, by the way, was a pretty, pretty good day. Uh, I'm not a huge dentist fan, but it, it went relatively well. well. That's good to hear. Congratulations. Did, no, no I think after, yeah, after Did your, you get ice cream? After braces, I think it's kind of like, uh, good job, Brian. When, nice. I was, when I was a kid and yeah, I didn't well, get cavities, I got ice cream. I always thought that was counterintuitive, but, it, you know. It made me want it. Yeah, but it's a, it's, it's a one-time indulgence. It's all, right. it's all right. No, you know what? I was nervous yesterday because my dentist it was always back in Cleveland, and I don't make it back nearly as frequently, obviously, as I used to with the kids in school down here. So this was my first visit to the dentist in two years. So I was expecting the worst. I mean, there, there were no problems, but, you know, the staining, I'm a coffee drinker, plain black. So, that, you know, they, things needed to be cleaned up, but they also needed to be examined, and it went much better than I thought that it probably would. So a uh, little apprehensive going in, having been two years out, but we're in good shape. Outstanding. All right, so let's start. We'll get to baseball in a little bit here and spring training and all that. I know you keep an eye on college football. I know you've an eye on Nebraska. These Ross Dellinger, Yahoo Sports, just dropping this a little bit ago. What do you think of the NCAA Division One football adding in-ear communication for the quarterbacks and the coaches, tablets on the sidelines, and a two-minute warning, B.A.? Well, listen, they're doing everything else that professional football does. I mean, they're paying these guys right out of high school. They got their NIL. I mean, it's becoming the NFL minor leagues. It always kind of has been. Um, you know, because there are no minor leagues for the NFL. That is college football. But it's becoming even more so now with the, with all of these different changes. And I have not completely read up on them. But if that's what they're doing, that's the NFL model. And and the, the way that college football is moving, all this realignment, you have now conferences that aren't really conferences. They're little mini leagues. Uh, you know, it's it just it stands to reason that that would be the next step. And I don't think maybe it's surprising to some. Um, but I, I, you know, that's, that's the way that they're gravitating towards. It's funny because we were talking about this before the show. We're going to talk about it a little bit later too, that, and Doug Lay Maurice, who, you know, wrote for a long time for Cleveland.com and, um, just an outstanding writer is, is now kind of focused on North versus South when it comes to college football, especially. And I think he's got it right. I, I mean, this is just a matter, especially if you look at what they brought up yesterday with a 14 team playoff where three automatic bids to the SEC, three automatic bids, to the Big Ten, plus there's a potential of two more at-large uh, at large bids. So, I mean, the Big Ten could have five teams. The SEC could have five teams in the playoffs. Uh, let's, just, let's just be honest. Let's just make this the SEC and the Big Ten and move forward, and at least just for football. It's the SEC and the Big Ten, and it's over. I, I mean, you got – and that's really – I think it make life a lot easier if they just want to move forward like that. Yeah, well, I, I, and I agree. Those are the two behemoths that have – Swallowed up 
you know, not only more teams, but high-end teams. You know, the Big Ten bringing in USC, UCLA, Washington, Oregon. I mean, it's pretty incredible what they've done. SEC is the same thing uh, with Texas and, and Oklahoma joining them. Again, that's, that's the way that it is moving. You have these two super conferences that are kind of rewriting the rules. And it wasn't, a, it wasn't that long ago that both the SEC and the Big Ten came out and basically a shot across the bow to the NCAA as far as this college football playoff goes. They want to you know, guarantee the number of slots, and they want, like you said, they want more than two. They want three. They'd love to get four or five because of all the extra money that that brings to that particular conference. But, you know, again, nothing would surprise me anymore. The, the simple fact, you know, that, that a college softball game between UCLA and Rutgers is a Big Ten game and, and how that travel factors in uh, for, you know, the girls' softball team and, and all of these smaller ancillary sports, it's, you know, nothing would surprise me anymore. You ever think that you would see the day that that, that that would happen where you literally have a conference. And I always loved the conference model, you know, when I was growing up because the conference model, it was, it was unique to your region. Now, the, a conference from, from Rutgers to, to USC, I mean, from sea to shining sea. I mean, it's from, you know, coast to coast. That's not really a conference anymore. You can call it one, but that's not really what it is. I mean, it's unreal how all this stuff is evolving, B.A. I mean, we're living in a world now where – Chip Kelly decided to leave the head coaching job at UCLA to be the offensive coordinator of Ohio State. The head coach yes. at Boston College has has taken the defensive coordinator job for the Patriots, and then Bill O'Brien is on track to be hired at Boston College, who was a pro coach. Like the just how all of this has evolved and become so interchangeable is unbelievable, man. Well, you know what, and what does that tell you? I, I think that these coaches they see the landscape. Of the wild, wild west is what is college football has come to. And with NIL, and there's absolutely, you know, it's not being, uh, there are no rules. I, I mean, it's, it's, you know, whatever goes as far as NIL goes and, and all of that stuff. It's not being regulated at all. And these guys are like, you know what, I'm not dealing with it. Nick Saban retires. You know, again, Chip Kelly, I'd rather be the OC at Ohio State than the head coach at UCLA, just that they don't want to deal with this stuff, I, I think, in, in some cases. That, that guys are just like, this is just too much. You not only, think about this, recruiting is year-round, we know that. But you not only have to recruit to bring players into your program all the time for next year, the year after, look two or three years down the road, you have to recruit your own roster every year so that they don't leave and go somewhere else. It's got to be beyond time-consuming and just, you know, beyond the pale as far as exhaustion goes. So I don't blame them. I don't blame them. I mean, think about it. It's one thing to recruit and get a nice class in, but when you got to recruit the 100 or so guys that are on your roster right now, too, to make sure that they stay and not jump into the portal, it's crazy. B.A., if you could do it all again, and I'm just not – I mean, football has its impact on this. Would you have done Wright State over again? Or would you have picked a different path? Well, I don't know if I would have had any of the choice. Okay. I mean, re- really, it came down. My decision, you know, and, and it's funny, this is this is one of the reasons why I, I loathe Ohio State. Now, in my older age, I, I have softened against. Oh, are you still there? You, BA, please tell me you're coming back. Hey, 
Hang on. Start again. Your last words were, I've loathed Ohio State, which, by the way, in itself is just like everyone's turning on the radio. Uh, and then you said, yeah. I've gotten softer in my old age. Now pick it up from there. I've gotten softer, and I don't hate them nearly as much as I did for a long time. But late in the recruiting process for me, I get a phone call from Ohio State, and they say, hey, how would you like to be a Buckeye? Well, what kid growing up in Ohio doesn't want to be a Buckeye and play baseball or football or whatever other sport at Ohio State? So I'm all in. Okay, perfect. We're going to set up an official visit. A, B, and C will have you come down, take a look at things. Now, as it turned out, they must have had another kid that was wobbling on his commitment, another lefty. I think I know who he is. I think he went to Newark, Ohio. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but I played uh, a team, Team Ohio with him. And he ended up being a lefty that went to Ohio State. So maybe he was waffling in his commitment. They call me with that little carrot that they dangle, and they never called back. They never called back. And so right there, I was just devastated. Um, and then fast forward to my freshman year, I'm now you know, at Wright State, started opening day for Wright State, and, and they were a good team. I'm a true freshman. So I get the big start against Ohio State during the season, and to this day, it's probably the worst beatdown that I've ever taken. Uh, our coach doesn't cuss. I don't even think that he cussed, but he came out on the mound and he undressed me for not dosing a couple of guys because I was getting hit around pretty bad by Ohio State. So that was strike two. Then my junior year, it all comes back around. I'm going to be a draft pick. I'm going to be a high draft pick, and we've got Ohio State ranked number 10 on the schedule, and we get rained out, and they will not reschedule the game. They won't reschedule the game because they know what's coming, that they're going to have Wright State play them, and we're going to beat them because I'm going to pitch against them, and they're not going to have a shot. So they wouldn't reschedule the, the game. Ron Nishwitz, our head coach, played at Ohio State. So he kept putting pressure on them, pressure on them, pressure on them, and they ended up, you know, putting the game back on the schedule, they said the only way they would do it is obviously you're going to come to Columbus and we're going to play a doubleheader so that they can attempt to save face. Okay, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll do whatever you want to do. So we drive over there in our white vans, roll out to play the, uh, the, the top 10 Ohio State Buckeyes. I pitched the first game. CG, uh, we beat them 2-1. to one. And just to make matters even better for us, in game two, we rolled out there and beat them 8-7. to seven. So we swept them. It was phenomenal. But I've, I have had just dislike for Ohio State for a lot of different reasons, and it was stemming from that first phone call I got when I was a senior in high school um, in, in Geneva. And, but, but all that to say, once they went away, I literally, my, my choice came down to it was either Wright State or I was going to go to Kent, uh, where Danny Hall was the head coach, and he was building a big-time program there at Kent. They were winning a ton. He had turned things around. He was like the guy. He's now at Georgia Tech. I think he's still there and left there and went to Georgia Tech. But Danny Hall, I, I wanted so badly to go to Kent, but I also wanted so badly to pitch in the big leagues. And Ron Nishwitz had pitched in the big leagues, and he was a left-hander. And that's why I went to Wright State. If, if Ron wow. Nishwitz was a right-handed pitcher, even though he pitched in the big leagues, if he was a righty, I would have gone to Kent. But I went to Wright State because their head coach was a lefty who pitched in the big leagues. Show me the way. I'm coming. Wow. Untold stories. That's a good one. I never heard that story That's a great before. Story. That's a great yeah. one. 
Yeah, that was that that, that was that was one. But um, yeah, it, it was so funny when that that game got canceled and they said, "Yeah, we're not rescheduling." Well, what do you mean they're not rescheduling? Why you don't want to lose? And then they finally say, "Okay, you got to play two though," and we beat them both. It was phenomenal. Brian Anderson, former Indians pitcher, current Rays analyst, joining us on the North Austin Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. All right, Pia, let's get to a, a tiny bit of baseball here since we've definitely covered the college football and all that good stuff. <laughs> this has been pro- the first normal training camp since 2019. It has been quiet as all get out. And knock on wood, hopefully it stays that way because the only noise we really get has to do with injuries. What have you thought of camp so far this year as we get back to normal for the first time in four years? Well, exactly what you're saying. I, I, I mean, I'm finding that I don't have uh, information and news falling into my lap like you normally do. And so I'm like, I'm dedicating myself this weekend to get caught up on everything because my first uh, spring training telecast is on Monday. Um, and it's the Rays and the, and the Pirates. So I've got some homework to do, but you're right. It has been very, very quiet and very, very normal. And that is a, it's a wonderful thing. Now, you do still have some big-name free agents sitting out there, and that's still kind of a story. Like, where are they going to end up? Because now you're getting a little bit deeper into camp where even though a guy like, you know, Blake Snell, whatever, they're working out on their own on the side, Jordan Montgomery, they're not in camp and they're not getting ramped up like a team would ramp you up. So that's becoming uh, somewhat intriguing. Not as difficult maybe for the position players, that are still out there without a team. But for the pitchers, that's where it's kind of interesting and in seeing, um, you know, where these guys end up and what their schedule looks like moving forward. Other than that, it's been a very, like you said, it's been a very quiet spring training. You almost don't realize that it's even going on. B.A., do you think, I don't know, I don't think the Guardians are going to go out and grab a free agent, but do you think we're about to maybe get a little bit of a bubble here for free agency and watching some guys end up on teams that we're just kind of sitting back and waiting? You know, I, I, that I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think that, that there's still that tug of war going on where these guys have it in their minds, and, and a lot of them obviously are Scott Boris clients. Scott Boris gets top dollar for his guys, and so they have in their mind what they set out in the off season, what they set out to get, and it's not coming anywhere near that. So now the question becomes: How do you shift gears? Do I take a, a, a one or two year deal with with option years or opt outs? I mean, how do I piece this together to be able to get into camp with somebody? And you know, it's the, the teams waiting for that price to drop. The guys are being you know stubborn and saying, "You're going to come to me at some point. I'm too good for you not to." But you know, it's that wrangling about money, years, opt-outs, options, all of that stuff that's really coming into play now. And, you know, unfortunately, that doesn't play itself out in the public too much. That's behind closed doors. We'll find out about it later when they eventually do sign. But I would think that if something's going to happen this weekend, moving into the, the beginning of next week, you know, you, you may see something, you know, kind of break, the dam break, and, and these guys sign. But who knows? Who knows? I didn't think they'd be out this long. All right, B.A., we're going to roll. Just quick question, 10-second answer. Um, the guy from Newark that got the Ohio State gig and you didn't, did he end up in the pros? Yes. No. Okay. I don't so, think so. You win. I don't <laughs> I don't think so, but I do think I know who it is. I'll have to look that up and find his name because he was a really cool guy. Good left-handed pitcher down in uh, Newark, Ohio, and I think that he was the one waffling and ended up, you know, obviously recommitting or, or just solidifying that commit, and, uh, and I was left to – 
and fly away to the bigs. It was worth yes. it. Yes. B.A., thank you. Thank you, as always, and we appreciate your time. Thanks. Talk soon, man. All right, boys. Take right. care. Have a good weekend. He is Brian Anderson. He joins us on Fridays. We love having him on board with us. And, of course, he was on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. We'll talk a little bit more about what he had to say, uh, the playoff proposal, all this college stuff is really interesting. I want to get back into that. Plus, Paul Hoynes at 1 o'clock, Baskin and Phelps with Dan Menigan. You can now hear entire podcast versions of our local shows at 923thefan.com and on the Odyssey app. Also, you can find specific segments from the past 72 hours by clicking on a specific chapter labeled by our producers and or listen to an entire show. Download the Odyssey app now and take the time to listen to the most local sports talk in all of Ohio. It's Baskin and Phelps. Dan Menigan is in today. 216-474-0092. 216-474-0092. I really like Fridays a lot because it gives uh, we we seem to have a little bit more breathing room sometimes to give you the opportunity to talk to us throughout the show. Um, just because we do have a lot of interviews and stuff that we like to do and topics that we want to get to. But today Fridays are always a good day if you want to hop in and try to be a part of the show again at 216-474-0092. Um, we talked about this with Brian Anderson a little bit. And now it sounds like the NCAA wants to make some changes when it comes to college football. Uh, one is implementing helmet to headphone communication between one player on the field and the coaching staff. Normally that would be the quarterback on the offense and whoever you want to, uh, give it to on defense, uh, whoever you feel like the, the team leader is on defense. Uh, the next would be to be able to use tablet, uh, technology, same way they do in the NFL on the sideline so that you can see plays, break down plays, watch replay quicker, design plays, do things that you need to do with faster communication within the confines of the field uh, to be able to do that. And then the third, I think, is super interesting because I just kind of don't know why they haven't done it all along anyway. It's two-minute warning. So it sounds like they want to add the two-minute warning to college football at the Division One level. I don't know if that's both sides of the Division One level or if that's just the big boys uh, in the power of Four conferences. I can't remember how many conferences we have now. <laughs> uh, for or beyond four that, and I mean, and also the the group of five too. Four and a quarter. <laughs> hey, all right, so let's let's go one by one. So the helmet stuff, awesome. It should have been that way to begin with. It's it's been a little ridiculous that Division One college football has not been doing this for a while. I understand how D2 and D3 wouldn't want to pay for the technology nor could afford the technology to be able to do it. It's not about, I mean, it's D1 college football makes a ton of sense. Here's my question. So let's just say you're a gigantic computing platform, okay? Yes. Is it not to your advantage to just give it to all the, the NCAA schools that are out there and just say, okay, we're the official home of NCAA football when it comes to play and just give it to all the schools? I don't know how expensive that is, but I just like... Probably very. I mean, I'm still mad at Kent State for not reinvesting their money in the Elite Eight back into the athletic program. I mean, what's what's always the great philosophy on this? Like, I can see Kent State being like, oh, look at these new new tablets we got. Oh, well, athletics doesn't need these. Let's give this this to another department, even though it was for NCAA. I'm I'm sorry. I'm critical of my own school sometimes. Well, what's the statement we've always been told? If you're good at something, don't do it for free. I mean, I think that's yeah, but where it's it probably falls beneficial. It Don't you think it's beneficial for a computer company to say, "Okay, we are the official"? 
I mean, those tablets don't cost them that much to make. I, I'm sure that there's some marketing department and a whole bunch of research for people who are far smarter than I am to say this. I don't know if I've ever watched an NFL game and thought to myself, oh, they're using those tablets. I should go buy one. I, I don't think that's ever crossed I don't my either, mind. but... You know, or oh, it it says a certain headphone company on the side of their he- on of the headsets. I should get those. Like, so at one point they did, brain. and it reassured me that the headphones I was wearing were a good brand. <laughs> we're a good brand, yeah. Right. And it is a really good brand that they have. I'm, yeah. You know. And if they want to advertise, we're interested. <laughs> right. Instead of putting the word coach on the side. Right. So. Uh, they should have been doing this for a while. That That's great. This will cut down on the cheating. The fact that they're cutting it off at 15 seconds is their way of hinting, like, yes, we are trying to get people at the D1 level ready for what comes next. So what is that? Does that then, as a part of the officiating crew then, comes in to make sure that the technology shut down with 15 seconds to go I on the play clock? I believe it's automatic, right? I think that's well, how someone's that got to monitor that, though. What? I mean, they have it in the NFL, too. I mean, I'm sure they have the money. It's got to be somebody on the officiating there. crew that's cutting it out, though. I, Daniel, Why wouldn't you? I'm I mean, not going to lie to you. I'm not smart enough to have that answer. All right. My assumption is that's the case. I My guess is they are going to could basically copy and paste what the NFL is doing when it comes to the headsets. That would be my guess. Right. Because the, the NFL headset shut off at 15 seconds. Left on the play clock. My assumption is the same thing will take place. Now, again, we all know what happens when you assume. So... That's a good one. The second one, they will be able to use tablets on the sidelines to view replays and be able to show plays and all that kind of stuff. You like it? Yeah, I think it's a great idea. I just it's it's just smarter. It's smarter technology, and I don't think it's a big deal. And as long as it's not being used for gambling purposes, I'm down with all of it. Right? I mean, that's the problem is is that if you've got an outside line and you're on the sidelines and you're trying to place bets during the middle of a game, that's where the problem comes into. It's that security that I'm concerned about. But who knows? I mean, you got somebody who's in the front row sitting in the stands could be placing bets too. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to make this a doomsday thing, but if it's better for the game and it helps the game and you know, it's it's on the up and up then everything's good with that. And the NCAA is now willing seems to say, "Okay, let's use this technology." The 2-minute warning I find is interesting. All right, so why? Well, why? All right, so let me let me do the tablets first, then we'll get to the two-minute warning. Okay. You could shut down. I mean, you could do intranets and closed circuits and of the Internet and have serious firewalls to block any kind of gambling that would take place on the sidewalk. I mean, seriously, I mean, if you wanted to, you could have somebody sitting in the front row right behind the bench if you really wanted to, and you could hand-signal them in a bet if you wanted to. I'm just saying from a cheating aspect. Yeah, and so I'm not saying from a gambling cheating aspect. I'm not. It doesn't take a Mensa person to figure that out. No, we we all know that the cheating will always be for. I'm not talking about within game cheating. I'm talking about gambling. We That's, all know that the the ways that people can circumvent the rules will always be ahead of the rules because the rules are created in response. Correct. Correct. Right? That's a good. We part. know that in everything in life. We know that when it comes to sports, we know that when it comes to taxes, we know that when it comes to everything. Like, that's just how reality works. There are very few preemptive rules. All of them are reactionary. Sure. So, yeah, of course you could have that. And, I mean, if we're if we're really petrified about that, Andy, then if that's the case, we should just put giant opaque windows in front of the entire stand so that they can see through, but you can't see up there. And if they turn colors when the play starts? Yes. Okay. There. I mean, if we're if so, you we're can't really, see during huddles, but you can see. If we're really going to live in this world of paranoia, then that's what we need to do. 
But we don't. We can't be that paranoid. That's ridiculous. That's just silly. So I'm great with the tablets. I'm great with all this stuff. The two-minute warning side of it, again, they are trying to get guys ready for the NFL. That's what this is. Plus, it allows more commercials to show up. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. Sells more advertising. You're going to tell me the TV networks don't want two-minute warning? Of course they do. Though it does make me laugh how the sport that all of last year talked about how they wanted to speed everything up because college games took too long are now putting another break in. I find that ironic. Jim's in Strongsville. Jim, how, how are, are you? Jim? Good, hey. guys. Well, listen, Dan, they did speed the game up by doing they the, they're not stopping the clock on first downs until I forget what point in time in each half. Oh, yeah, they, they, that, they definitely have sped it up with, with all of those. It just made me laugh when they were like, we're going to add a two-minute warning now. And it's like, well, didn't you just tell me how you were trying to speed the game yeah. up? Yeah, let's be honest, Ohio State's bowl game could have been the fastest first half in the history of college football. That first half in the bowl game, it somehow didn't feel fast enough. No, I know. Terrible, but fast. Um, Listen, Andy, you brought it up, and it's the right thing. You're like, when you said, how many conferences are there? Listen, if the the NCAA is not driving this ship, the SEC and the Big Ten are driving every rule change, everything now. The NCAA is in a position right now where Ohio, Ohio State, the SEC and Big Ten are playing nice with them. Because they, they're useful, the NCAA is useful to them right now. I, I'm just predicting three, four years from now, both those conferences are going to be 20 teams. You're going to see the, the NCAA Division One as you know it is not going to be the same. They will be the SEC, they will be the Big Ten, and that will be it. 100% I just, agree, Jim. I, I totally agree with I you. Mean, yeah, I mean they're drive they're driving this boat. It's it's to the point now where like it's almost an embarrassment that the NCAA is even an organization a governing body over top of these two sports because we know who's driving the real power, where the real money is. It's just it's not there. So I like the rule changes. I think anything that's going to make it more like the NFL is a good thing. Andy, I know you're worried about, listen, if they can do it in the NFL, they can do it in college. I'm not too worried. I know you Oh, you the know, gambling listen, stuff? I, I know, yeah. No, I know that was just the first thing. I, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I'm really not worried about it. It was just the first thing. Like you, when you hear of a rule change and you're like, all right, we're going to bring in technology. Then you're like, how many? How is somebody going to try to use that to their advantage? I just, I, unfortunately, I think it's the uh, spending too many years in newsrooms with investigative teams that you start to think to yourself, oh, what's the what's the negative on this? And then you always have to yeah, ask yourself that. Bad, there's, always, well, there's always one bad apple that's just going to ruin it for everybody. And that's just that's the nature of humanity. So. True. True. But uh, yeah, so though, I think these are great changes. I think it's it's. It's sad. Here's my take on the whole thing. I think it's sad the way the NCAA is going to evolve in terms of football. But also, like we talked about yesterday, as a MAC guy, I'm fascinated to have a MAC team have a chance at some kind of championship in football. You know what I mean? Like, how exciting is it to watch the Division Two championship? You know what I mean? Their playoffs and championship game, the Division Three Stag Bowl. I mean, I get where the money's at, but I think that you can still make money doing these other things without being Division One, and then also give your fans something to root for and actually an achievable goal of a championship, whereas right now it's just not the case. Yeah, Jim, I think you're right. I think just when this is all said and done, the Big Ten and the SEC are going to be the only two that exist in football, and that they're just going to break off, and they may have 25 member schools within each of them when it's all said and done, and they will play their own national championship, which is what they essentially do right now, and they will leave everybody else into another form of Division One football that isn't SEC, isn't Big Ten, and it's going to survive on its own, and it's going to have its own championship, and that may live under the NCAA brand. 
That's what I think is going to happen when it's all said and done. And you'll have yeah, you'll have to, you'll have conferences there too. But in the end, it's the SEC and the Big Ten that are making all the rules on this stuff now. Well, and the conferences and those other sports will shift back to what they were supposed to be regional. Right. Regional in terms of supporting travel, supporting the student athlete model. You know, I think it's kind of ridiculous for some of these athletes, especially in some of the you know the non, even in the even in Division One men's and women's basketball. It's a lot of travel for kids that are supposedly going to class. So I, I just imagine that in baseball and all these other sports where like they're just on the road nonstop. It just look I. I I get it. It makes sense for the it makes sense for the national brands. It just doesn't for anybody else. So Jim and Strong, have a good weekend. Thank you. Thank you have a good you. weekend too. All right, two one six four seven four double zero ninety two. We talked about college. Uh, there's some NFL stuff going on too with the combine. We'll get to those headlines when we come back. Baskin and Phelps ninety two three. The fan. He's Dan Menigan. He is in for Jeff today. and Andy Baskin discuss the latest news surrounding Cleveland Brown Stadium and try to answer the question, is there a dome in the future for Northeast Ohio during the new episode of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland? Subscribe now at 923thefan.com or on the Odyssey app. Baskin and Phelps, Dan Menigan is in today for Jeff. Jeff is uh, getting a little R&R there, so hopefully he's enjoying that. 216-474-0092, 216 Four seven four double zero ninety two. All right, so we've been talking about uh, potential changes in college football, where they would be adding a two minute warning, uh, using um, uh, using tablets on the sidelines, and what was the other one? Headsets, and headsets, microphones. headsets, and microphones. Okay, now we are talking about some changes and potential rule changes in the NFL. So this seems to be the time of year to try to fix things for football now that it's over. I think the one big story that um, I wanted to talk to you about, and it seems like it's taken forever to get there. We've talked about it a zillion times. Why can't they figure out how to measure a first down without having to use chain links and an index card? And now those days may be in the rearview mirror. Beautiful. It is optical tracking um, on line to gain rulings at multiple stadiums. So this is gonna they're gonna test this, or they I, I thought I read yesterday they tested it at two stadiums already this year. It's just so beautiful. I don't I don't know if they've tested it or not, but it just warms my heart. I have screamed for years. I thought this was the stupidest thing that we did in professional sports. That in a world where I can take my phone and I can hit two points on my phone, and it will tell me the distance between those two points. And yet we are still measuring 10 yards with two sticks, with a chain in between them, and two people running onto the field and putting those sticks in an arbitrary position to have that be 10 yards and determining it that way after a ball was arbitrarily put in a position. And again, I can take my phone and go distance, distance. Oh, Okay, so that's sixty. That's that's seventy feet. All right, good to know. That wall is seventy feet. Like, it has been one of the most mind-numbing things in professional sports for a very, very long time that we don't have a better method to do this. And it sounds like they are finally going to come to their senses and realize that we have a chip in the ball and we have a chip in the shoulder pads and we have all of this infrared technology and all that stuff to determine when a knee hits the ground, where the ball is in position when the knee hit the ground. We have all the ways to do this. So we no longer need to have two people standing on the sideline holding sticks with 10 yards worth of metal chain in between them. 
Thank goodness. You would think with next-gen stats, too, that the days of and inches would be over. Right. That we would actually It'll have... It would be third the, down and four inches. Exactly. Yeah. In, the, in the same way I have golf broadcasts that are going, well, that putt's about six inches. we got a four-foot putt to the hole. How can golf figure this out? We can't get it in football. Like... This had been one of the most like mind-numbing things to me for the longest time, and it was so pointless how mad I would get at this. And every time they would bring the chains out to measure a first down, every time I'm like, "Are we? We don't even know if this is real. Like, we don't even know if this is the actual measurement that is taking place here. These are two guys and a referee doing the best that they can. We have better. Use better. And the guy on the one side that you'd never see on TV is basically putting the stick down. Yeah. Where the back of a referee's foot was. We have better. Use better. So that we're eyeing that down, if you think about that. The back side, the, you know, the side you never see on TV, it's the side we don't even think about. All we care about is the chain being pulled. But we never think about the start-stop point of the back of the chain. Yeah. Never. Oh, it's, have you ever thought about it? No. Yes, I have. Because just Everybody is, just assumes that it's right. This has driven me up the wall for as long as 20 years or so. This has driven me up the wall until I was old enough to realize how ridiculous it was to have two human beings hustle onto a field. Like, when I was like, wait a minute, we could, we could get pictures of Neptune sent to us, and yet this is our way of measuring this? Are we sure this okay, is Okay, so I think method? this is a positive this is a positive yes. note for a Friday. Yes. Okay? This makes me so happy. So the NFL is testing optional tracking online to gain rulings in multiple stadiums. And hopefully we'll have I would think we'd have that in the next two years. This could be yeah. the last year you ever see a chain. It's sounding like they will not have this by this season. We will still use the old method. And then moving forward, we will stop using it, which again. <laughs> And with Bluetooth technology, this will be gone in how many years between in all of football? It'll take a little while, I bet. I, th- I think the local high school levels or grade school levels and all that stuff. Five years. I don't think you'll see them anymore. They'll be sitting in the shed. Five years. Everyone will have the electronic sticks. Everyone will have them. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But, I mean, look, if they can do a track meet electronically, which I think is way more complicated, right? It's way more complicated than a first down. Yeah, like, like I've seen and all the, that the stuff. electronic yeah. stuff on yeah. the long jump to me is amazing. I love watching that. I think that's super cool. Are you ready? You want to go into the other NFL competition committee things on potential rule changes? Let's keep cooking. All right, here we go. The next one, the XFL kickoff format. I still don't totally understand it. I, I don't totally. I think it's going to open the door too much for the kick return for a touchdown if they decided to go for it. They'd probably have to tweak it. I, I would just get rid of the kickoff at this point. I mean, it's ceremonial. Just kick it off in the beginning of the game and kick it off to the next half, and that's it. So essentially what happens is is that they kick off from, what, 35-40, right? I don't totally understand. But everybody so. else is lined up way downfield. So let's just say they, whoever's going to catch the ball standing at the 15, and I think that they were lining up at, I, I, I'm just trying to do off the top of my head, at like the 20 and the 30 in the attack end of the zone. And so that the ball would end up flying over both lines' heads, I do think this would cause um, a lot more runbacks because the the wall is doesn't exist anymore. The wall is like you got to get by one or two guys real quick, and then boom, you're right through it. Now all of a sudden, it's the, the only person back is the kicker. 
we may have more injured kickers if they leave the if they put that exit. I just think if they're going to do this, they may as well. Yeah, I agree with you. They should just get rid of the kick. I, I completely. That's where I am. Just just if we just get rid of the kickoff. Just it's ceremonial. Here's the problem. I still want the option to to maintain the ball. A way to get the ball back. I like fourth and fifteen. Fourth and fifteen makes a ton of sense. See, I think fourth and thirty makes sense. Because how many successful onside kicks did we have? Not many. Not many at all. Oh, very few. So that's why fourth and fifteen to me seems reasonable. It's got to be a play that uh, it should be fourth and thirty, fourth and thirty-five. A play that's virtually impossible to make. And I don't know what the percentage is between first and twenty-five, first and thirty, and first and thirty-five. But that's what it should be. If you want to try to retain possession of the ball, you should have to get 35 yards to get a first down. It should be something almost impossible. Yeah, it should be a tough play to get. I I don't know if almost impossible. It depends on how much the NFL wants. It's almost impossible to get an onside kick now. Right. So shouldn't it be almost impossible on a regular play to retain possession? Okay. I'm, I'm Sure, makes sense. Why not? Okay. I'm, I, I don't care enough. I'm um, not here to argue it. Fumble through the end zone. Although, I, you know, at, at, let me, before we go forward, someone, if they have a high-powered offense, is going to take advantage of it and never, yes. and never give up the football all game. They will They will Patrick Mahomes this. Pat, this is built for Patrick Mahomes. Or it's like, here you go, just go make something happen. Fumble through the end zone, no changes expected in this one, on the fumble through the end zone. It's one of the weirdest rules that we have going. It's one of the rules that you have to always look at. Someone who is newer to football and have to explain to them, and they always give you that same look back of like, really, this is a thing? You're like, I, yeah, I just think, I think that rule is. needs to be modified. Uh, you receive the ball, rather than getting the ball at the 20, if you fumble into the end zone, I think you should retain possession of the ball where the ball was lost outside of the end zone. So if the ball was lost on the one and they fumble through the back of the end zone, the team should get the ball on the one-yard line. It'd be like recovering the kick on the one. What do you think? Okay. Don't say I don't care. Okay. No, I'm, I'm Until fine. Until it that. happens to your team, then you're going to be like, oh, man, Baskin was right. This is right. Oh, no. I, I, it's happened to every team. Every team has ran into this at one point or another where you fumbled it out of the end zone and everybody's upset because you turn the ball over. But if you fumble out of the end zone any other place, you don't run into that situation. You know, the end zone is this special area. And we've heard Kevin Stefanski, Rashard Higgins, the famous one, reaching over the end zone, getting it knocked out in the Chiefs game. Like, we've all been upset by this rule. Every team has dealt with it. It is one of the silliest football rules. I am fine with it. Sure, change it. Sounds great. All right, next rule. The quarterback push play or the tush push is still should still be allowed. Yeah, I'm fine with it. I have no problem with this at all. I think this is truly football. This is what football really is. I don't know. And are guys getting hurt on this play? I, I don't see it. it. There's concussion risk, especially with the quarterback, due to the fact that the center has to get so low leading with his head. You know, and the, and the quarterback kind of goes over it. There is some concussion risk that comes with it, but it's also football, and there's concussion risk with everything. I mean, it, it is kill the carrier, so injury does come with that. So, yeah, I'm fine with it. I mean, only only one team did it well, and that one team wasn't able to do it when they needed it most. And teams figured out how to slow that down. You know, you need the right set of guys to do it. It's a specialty play. Sure, I'm fine with it. All right. It never upset me to the level that it upset people. Let me uh, keep rolling along here. Um, Outlawing the high drop tackle. So this is the hip drop tackle too, right? Okay. So I don't totally get it. I don't. They're having a hard time. Like, you know, they've 
Let me know if I need to dump what I'm about to say. Okay. I feel like the hip drop tackle is kind of turned into how the, the Supreme Court defined pornography, which is I know it isn't when I see it. I feel like that's kind of become the hip drop tackle. Okay. Do I need to dump that? No. Okay. No. Yeah. I feel like that's because you're trying to make an tackle. educational comparison. Yeah. Yeah. When it's like, I, I, we can't really describe this, but we know it when we see it. Like, what happened to Mark Andrews is the hip drop tackle. Right. That caused him to get hurt. Yeah. So, it... Okay, just, un, why sure. can't they, if you want to make it illegal, just call it unnecessary roughness and... Right. And that would it. be the thing, is calling yeah. it unnecessary roughness or something along those lines. And, and I'm fine with it. You should get rid of it. It's caused a whole bunch of injuries. You know, to where it, it is... It's caused a bunch of injuries. It's caused a bunch of guys to get hurt. And we all want the same thing, which is we want the best players to be on the field at the most crucial times and not dealing with injury. All right, this is the last one here, too. Intentional grounding fouls are way up. How do you change that? I, I just think, I, I actually think if we're trying to protect the quarterbacks, I know you don't want to hear this, and a lot of people don't want to hear this, throwing the ball away to intentionally give away the down, I think is bad enough. I don't know that intentional grounding needs to exist. It's almost to the point where you are saying surrender. And so you surrender and then you give up the plate. Now, are you saying surrender if you're in, and if you're in the grasp, you're surrendering then the it should be right there. But that would be intentional grounding again too. So I don't know how what's a fair way for a quarterback to release the ball and then the, the problem I don't like about it is it's determined by whether you're in the pocket or out of the pocket. To me, that's just too much of a variable. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with them being up. I think it's more teams probably need to address where your hot route is a little bit better or where your dump off is a little bit better. I'm fine. There should be some kind of penalty that comes with it. Offensive line play is horrible. Mike came out and joined us, and at one point he pushed a line play because it's not the And it's not being taught at the lower levels. And being awesome at it, college. Yeah, I would so, think so. Until we figure out a way to better I think the he'd offensive be pretty line good play. Absolutely. I can see Hoynesy being great. Oh, like, Hoynes, Cleveland. Like kind of how, like, one of the best harmonica players that nobody knows about. Mick Jagger is an unbelievable harmonica player. Really? He's really good. I didn't know that. You listen to some of that early Stones blues stuff. Mick does all the harmonica stuff in there. It's he's really good at it. Hmm. And sadly, it you know found its way out of his music. How about the stones and that stuff. Yeah. Did not know that. Now okay. I do know. That's what I'm here for. All right, we're talking about spring training, aren't we? So we're going to start doing right now. Oh, absolutely. And, of course, when you hear Catman do, you know that means we got Paul Hoynes on the line. So, Hoynesy! What's up? Hey, Hoynesy. How's it going, guys? Good. You all right? How are you? Hoynesy, you there? Yeah. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. I'm just making sure you're okay. I was worried about you there for a second. All right, no, I'm okay. All right, Paul Hoynes is on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Um, Hoynesy, let's um, let's start off with spring training. You made the trip out there. You're already back home, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, I got back on uh, Wednesday. All right, how was it? It was good. It was good. It was interesting. Kind of a new vibe, you know, without Terry there, uh, Tito there. Um, but yeah, a lot of young players, a lot of new faces. Like you know, Andy, every year the faces change and. Uh, but uh, except I, I yours, like I like both. I like both. Every, every point, every face changes except for yours. You realize that, right? <laughs> God, that's who's a got, thought. Who's isn't got it? more? I mean, I'm sure Jimmy Ingram probably pops out there. Or, I hope he pops out there still. But who, who's been there longer? Help me. <laughs> Maybe Moses Cleveland. I'm not sure. <laughs> uh. 
you need to you need to drop the V from your name then too, so the two of you can get along at this point. All right, so you talk about this new vibe, and, and like Dan and I were talking before, we're like, what what what's the dare? Like, how do things change when you go from Tito to vote? Like, it, it's got to be a shock to the system. Yeah, I think um, you know with Tito, you know he had done it, he'd been there, he'd won. Um, you know, there was just. He, he was relaxed. I think he felt really comfortable in his own skin. You know, he said what he wanted to say. Uh, the players knew that. I, and I think uh, with Fode, you know, he's still feeling his way. He admits that. But he's really a polished guy. hes uh, I don't know if you've talked to him much, but, you know, he gives great answers. He's always prepared. You know, he I think he's more than ready for the job. So, Honestly, you've seen a bunch of camps. You saw a bunch of Terry Francona camps. What is the biggest difference of having uh, Stephen Vote out there compared to Terry Francona about how they like even go about their business? Is there a difference, or does it very much feel like business as usual? I think it's pretty much business as usual. The uh, practices seem a little shorter, a little more uh, concise. You know, there's no standing around, and you know how they hand out the. Uh, the workout schedules, these are in different colors, you know, so that makes a, that, that, you know, I'm not sure, I still haven't figured out how to read them, but this is, uh, this is, you know, high-tech stuff right now. You got me befuddled. Like, I'm trying to figure out why, what's the difference with the colors, and but whatever, it doesn't matter. Maybe it's like outfielders <laughs> are green, infielders are yeah, blue. Yeah, stuff like that, you know, where the uh, minor league guys are working, uh, where, where the, uh, the sim games are. Where's live batting practice? Who's uh, who's got who's throwing bullpens today? And it's always been like that, but this is more color quoted. I, 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 just I, how to you in, in the way you see spring training now compared to like I, I'm even just kind of I don't know. And now I feel old even saying this, but dating back to Florida and how spring training has just changed since the Arizona era. I just you know it used to be. Points that there was just maybe it was because the teams were great at the time, but there was so much hype to want to go down to Florida for spring training to catch a game and maybe see the guys work out, and then you know kind of have that, and then drive back home or, or just do that. It just feels like when things moved out to Arizona, things kind of just became all business. Now I do realize that we've had a pandemic in between, and there are there are things that have changed the world since they made that decision to move to Goodyear, but. I just, I just, I, I don't. You tell me your, your, just your general thoughts on spring training and how it's kind of changed for fans. Well, I think you know, Winter Haven was obviously much more fan friendly. It was a shorter trip, a shorter flight. Uh, there was more access to the players. Um, at Goodyear, it is you know, it's a state of the art facility. It is uh, this, this access is limited. But it is all catered toward the player. This is a destination. It's a year-round site. You've got, you know, players, a lot of players that have bought homes in the Phoenix area. They train there all year. They never take a day off. And that's what they wanted. It's, you know, for from a baseball point of view, it is, a, you know, a tremendous upgrade. But I think from a fan point of view, it's probably, it's not as friendly. It's a longer flight, obviously. And, you know, you don't, you don't have the access that, that you had as a fan to the players. I remember being in Winter Haven, you know, walking back to the clubhouse, the fans would be walking, talking to Omar Vizquel. He'd stop and take pictures with them. You know, it was, you, you just don't see that now. Yeah, is that good or bad? 
Moisey? I think uh, I mean it's a little both, Andy. I think you know when these guys are these guys are there to work, you know, and uh, and I guess uh, we, we they just haven't had those you know those star-studded teams that True. that the, the of the of the nineties. Uh, you know, they really haven't had an all-star at every position. They they haven't had Albert Bell in that lineup from nineteen ninety-five. So it's a it's a different it's a different way of business. Paul Hoynes, Cleveland.com, joining us on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. Did you get to see Shane Bieber pitch? And if so, how did he look? Shane, I, you know, I, he's pitching to us. He's making his uh, Cactus League debut Saturday against Kansas City. I saw him throw a couple bullpens, and he looked great. You know, he's throwing everything. Throw, saw him throw a live BP. Uh, his below, you know, is up. Breaking stuff looked great. You know he's really in a good a good frame of mind. So where is the organization with him? How long is this going to last? I just feel like well, we're, we're kind of please respond watch. with Goodyear, Arizona, Hoinsey. Yes. Yeah, I think uh, you know obviously he's. I don't think he ends the season here. You know unless you know they pull a rabbit out of the hat and uh, are contending at the at the uh, de- at the deadline and decide to ride him out. But I would think he's going to get traded. But that, that contending number changes because of what Arizona did last year, doesn't it? I mean, you don't have to be at 80. Uh, I don't know how many wins you have to be at, Do you You know, especially in the Central. So th- that's yeah. where I'm like kind of like, uh, you know, I see everybody's picking them like second, third, and I'm like, uh, you know, what happened last year? I mean, there's hope for these teams with an extra playoff spot. Yeah, there's hope, but you got to score runs, and they're still not scoring runs. I oh, still don't true. see how this offense improved that much. So you're not buying no. in on the Kyle Manzardo hype train? Well, I like Manzardo. You know, I, I, he's he's really looked good. I just don't know if he's going to open the season here. You know, I, if uh, you know, I guess you know if it's a new attitude, new manager, maybe he gets they give him a shot, and you know he opens the season in Cleveland. But, uh, you know, if it's the prevailing thought, then this, the front office hasn't changed, that uh, you know, they'd rather have him play at Columbus, start the season there, get on a roll, and then bring him up. You know, we'll see how that goes. But we'll see how much power Vote has and what kind of spring Manzardo has. But so far, he's swung the bat great. But please, let's not say Manzardo, it's too cold. Like, can we not go yeah, down I that mean, road? That's, you, the kid's from Idaho. He's from yeah, Idaho, wherever he's from, from the mountains. <laughs> Andy, guys, come on. We know that Idaho cold is different than the cold we have in Cleveland. This cold is colder. <laughs> the guys from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which has probably one of the coolest golf courses in the world, they've got a floating green there. So you got to take you you hit onto the green, and then they've got a boat that takes you out to the to the hole. It's really oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Oh, that's very ask cool. him about Hoinsy. Ask him about it. He'll, I'm sure. All right. It's called the Floating Green. It's in Coeur d'Alene. That's where he's from. All right. Yeah, okay. Does the same idea apply to Brian Rocchio, Hoinsy? Do you think it'll be Gabe Arias's job to start, or do you think Brian Rocchio has a shot to begin the season with the big league club? I think Rocchio has a shot, but Arias has you know gotten out of the gate pretty good. Well, you know he's. He's swung a bat pretty well. He's played, uh, you know, he's played defense well. But you know, he, they really, I think, uh, but I think Rokio's got a shot. He's coming off a great winter ball season in in Venezuela. You know, he, you know, he. If you look at his numbers at Columbus, I mean, what else could he do? He, you know, he's shown he can he can play at AAA after you know based on last season. Why do you think the Tigers are better than the Indians this year? A lot of people are picking them second. 
Yeah, I think they're really well. They beat them last year, and, I, yeah. and they did a lot more than uh, Cleveland did to improve. So I guess you're saying yes. I just, it's hard for me yeah. to look at that. Yeah. I, I just I I wish it wasn't true. You know what I'm saying? But I, you know, I think you know, Andy. I mean, they you know, with when the rotation broke down last season, they were kind of like dead in the water as it was. Right. If this rotation can stay healthy, you know, I think they've got a chance. I mean, I, that makes them a lot better. You know, but now you know you lose uh, uh, Stephen, uh, Trevor Stephen, Karen Check. You don't know. I mean, to me, those guys probably aren't going to. You know, Stephen for sure isn't going to start the season, and the longer Karen Check waits to start throwing, you know, he's he's probably a question mark for opening day too. So you know that you know that bullpen. You know, those are two guys that you know, that have been you know that pitched very well for them. How do you think McKenzie looked, Hoinsey? Have not seen McKenzie. Saw him throw a bullpen. He threw a simulated game uh, yesterday. I saw him throw uh, a bullpen. Saw him throw live BP. He looked good. He says he feels good. But you know, he's the big question mark to me. They they should roll out. You know, uh, Gavin Williams threw yesterday. Looked great. Uh, Carrasco's going tonight, Friday. Uh, Beaver Saturday. Then Logan Allen, Tanner Bybee, and the split squad Sunday. And we still haven't. We still don't know uh, when uh, when they're going to roll uh, McKenzie out. So you know, to me, that's the question mark. Is, is he ready? And I think he's passed all the tests so far, but we haven't seen him pitch uh, in a game yet. Um, I might be the only person that's asking this. So, and I don't know if you've asked the question or not, or even thought about it. But when Wedge, when I'm driving by the ballpark every day, uh, left field is gone. <laughs> it's gone. You know, it, it's not there anymore. It's a flat. Nothing up there, and they got rid of all that stuff. You know, I've seen the models. It looks really cool. I'm just wondering if that's going to affect the ball uh, on home run balls and balls that might be hit to that side of the field. Am I the only one well, thinking about this? Hopefully it does. Hopefully it gets behind some of the balls that they hit. Because <laughs> they, 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 they finished last in a home runs last year and second last the year before. So they need whatever help they can get. They need some, some of those big, you know, uh, those uh, industrial strength blowers that they use to dry out stuff, put them right behind home plate. So wait, you're you're saying that it, it wasn't just a fluke that when they hit the three home runs in the first exhibition game of the year that that was only two percent of the total home runs they hit all season long last year? <laughs> I'm saying a ball flies in Arizona. Uh, maybe we can get some Arizona dryness. Yeah, how do we get Arizona dry up here? That's what we got to focus on next week. All right. So the the other big thing. Will Brennan has looked good in the outfield. I know that they want to try some guys out with uh, De Los Santos as well, and they brought in Florio. Hoinsey, are those the guys that are competing for center field and right field, or is there an outside chance that they could look at bringing in a, an Adam Duvall or a Tommy Pham or somebody like that who's still out there on a small deal? I, I get the impression that they are out of the free agent market. Ooh. You know that that was the you know that was what they said going into. Going into uh, spring training, I don't know if that's changed. I don't know if J.D. Martinez, if he can get him on a deal. You know, I think that would be the guy. You know, th- those are the guys that are out there that, that could really help them. But, you know, they seem convinced that they've got to give these young guys a chance to play and, you know, that they're not going to put a, you know, a one-year, uh, blo- you know, bl- uh, a, a one-year hurdle in front of them. So I guess we'll see. But, you know, it, saying that, I, I – I would not be surprised if they did that, but I guess well, that's probably the wrong thing to say. I'd be shocked if they did that. 
All right, answer this question if you can. Hoinsie, the season will be successful this year if blank happens. Ooh. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, you could use yeah, that if you I, want. I, I think uh, if, if there are three young starters, uh, Williams, Logan Allen, and Bybee, you know, can, can give them 25 to 30 starts, stay on the field from wire to wire, and uh, Tristan McKenzie c- can do the same. I would think that's a, um, you know, that's a successful season. I think if uh, they find a shortstop, and whoever it is, and he's pr- a productive shortstop, that would be a uh, success. And if Bo Naylor, you know, you know comes, and, and, and if Bo Naylor, you know, lives up to the promise he showed in the second half last year. All right, Hoinsie, that's it. You're the man. Thank you, buddy. Are you heading back out or no? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm going out in late March and then, you know, jump on the train for that, what, the three-city road trip? That's a long one. It'll be good, though. It'll be, are you taking, are you, yeah, you're not yeah. seriously taking the train. You're flying, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, you scared me there for a second. I, I mean, you know, I know you're, you're you know, probably the longest-running beat reporter on, but, I mean, you don't have to go that old school. So, you don't have to wear people, suits to the games anymore, Hoisey, like just so you know. trains, man. Once once the season starts, you just grab under the caboose and hang on and pray that you make it. <laughs> well, go eat the nachos at Saddle Mountain Brewery for me, all right? That's all I can ask. Those are so good. I get hankering we'll for those. Boys. Take right, care, Lindsay, Thank you. <laughs> Paul Lloyds. He's the man. <laughs> Tell you if you get out to Arizona, get the nachos at Saddle Mountain Brewery. You got that that that's a treat. Those are outstanding. Blade dealer, Cleveland.com. Make sure you read them every everybody knows Oidsy. How do you not know Oidsy? He's the best. He's on the North Homestead Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram Hotline. He's been covering I, I don't know how many people have been out in at spring training longer than him. The the numbers can't be high. I'm, I I think I have one or two names at the back of my head, but that's about it. All right, so uh, let's go back. We'll talk a little bit about what he had to say. Um, did that make you uh, uh, inspired for this year's season? You tell me. 216-474-0092. Basket of Fels with Dan Menegut. I, I get the impression that they are out of the free agent market. Ooh. You know, that that was, the, you know, that was what on end going into uh, spring training. I don't know if that's changed. I don't know if J.D. Martinez, if you get him a deal, I think that would be the guy. You know, those are the guys that are out there that, that could really help them. But, you know, they seem convinced that they've got to give these young guys a chance to play and, you know, that they're not going to put a, you know, a one-year, uh, blo- you know, uh, a, a one-year hurdle in front of them. So I guess we'll see. But, you know, it, saying that, I, I I would not be surprised if they did that. But I guess well, I, that's probably the wrong thing to say. I'd be shocked if they did that. Yeah, that's uh, why are we smarter, Bo. But, I, you know, you kind of hope in the back of your mind that maybe the Guardians will go out and sign a free agent. But I just don't. I, I think Hoinsie's right. Hoinsie's right 99.9% of the yeah, time. I think Hoinsie's right we trust. I mean, who else is going to tell you that the offense is only going to be helped out by having gigantic blowers behind home plate on when the <laughs> Guardians are up? If you've missed Hoinsie, go back and listen to it. Hoinsie was on fire. That was uh, It's the hardest I've laughed on the air in a good period of time. Oh, it was on. It was on fire today. It was so good. I enjoyed it greatly, just as much as I enjoyed Nick Wilson and Spencer German as they take a look at the stars, including Marvin Harrison Jr., who, while I gave you credit to begin the show, made the right call by not talking at the combine after reading some of these other questions and the other big college football headlines in the Sons of the Shoe episode of ninety two the fan dot com or on the Odyssey app wherever 
you get your podcast. I wanted them to make a free agency move. Like, I know they want to cycle through some of these guys. I know they want to see if Will Brennan could possibly be something. I know they want to see if, you know, Estevan Florial is something there. Like, they, they want to go through these guys. But there's a part of me that's like, man, this division's for the taking. The Twins just didn't do a whole lot in the offseason. They're banking on people staying healthy, and especially guys with a long, long injury past, like a Byron Buxton, Carlos Correa. Royce Lewis, who's had a whole bunch of injuries. The Tigers didn't make any moves. They're just hoping their kids get better. Like, I'm not saying you need to go get Blake Snell. I'm not saying anything like that. But just add an Adam Duvall. Add a Tommy Pham. Just somebody to get you over the hump because the division is for the taking. In your heart of hearts, do you think they're making a move? No. I trust Hoinsey. No. I thought that before talking to Hoinsey, I was hoping he'd say yes. I want him to say yes, but... Andy, we know this organization. We know how they operate. We know how they're looking at things. I'm okay with it if they don't make a move, but I do want to see these younger guys then. If you're not going to go out and make a move, like Quincy said, to to put a one-year stopgap in front, please don't leave a guy in Columbus that could be helping out the team now. That's all I'm saying. And, you know, they know a little better than we do on most of this stuff, but, you know, the the part that rips your heart out, I think, as a fan, is that if you keep a young guy back because you – Want to control service time? I understand from the business standpoint why you do it. It's just, it just sucks, especially if you think your team is in a place where they might be able to contend, even though everyone thinks they're the twentieth or twenty-first or twenty-fifth best team in Major League Baseball. And especially if you think it's good enough. Like, if you are worried about stealing service time from a guy who's going to be talented, especially with the new collective bargaining agreement, where if you get Top four, I think it's top four, rookie of the year votes. You lose that year of service time. So that game that you played in the beginning of the year to avoid gaining that full year of service time is out the window if the guy's good enough to join you in the beginning of the year. Like, that's the part of it that'll do me in, is if we get to the end of the year and Brian Rocchio is really good, and Brian Rocchio gets rookie of the year points, it's like, well, then why didn't we do this in April? And they'll come back and go, well, because it's cold out. It's tough to hit in April. It's cold. It's like, yeah, but if you can hit, you can hit. You know, it's it's the old, our buddy Chris Falar always had the great line. If you could putt, you, you can putt with it. If you could putt, you can putt, whether it's a $200 putter or a two by four. Yeah. If, if you can hit, you can hit. It doesn't matter how cold it is outside. If Rokio looks really good and they try to play this game with them and then he gets. Rookie of the Year votes, it's like, well, okay, all you did was play with one hand tied behind your back for a month. All because you were trying to save a little bit of doubt. All right, there were two questions that came out of that Hoynes interview that I, I want to come back and ask you about afterwards. One, um, answer the last question that I asked Hoynes. I said, this season will be a success if blank. Whew, that was a doozy when you tossed that out. That's a lot of journalism classes. That's <laughs> Degree, just blow the dust right off that degree hanger right on the wall. Of which I can name one of the journalism professors. Like, nope, nope, two, two. Miss Hanson, you were the best. Okay, keep going. I get like four, and I'm about 10 years removed. So that's pretty good. All right, on things that actually matter. Um, This season is a success. Uh, Dr. West was good too. If they come out of it with a shortstop, of the future and hammer down that position. This season is also a success 
if they find their way to middle of the pack in home runs. Middle of the pack. I'm not saying you need to make top five. I'm not saying you need to be the Yanks or anything like that. I'm saying just middle of the pack. Find some kind of power. The third thing that would make this season a success, if we look at Steven Vogt on the end of it and go, that guy has the respect of the locker room, he has a handle on what's taking place, and is the manager that we can look to for the future. If he's walking around looking lost, if if they're making moves that don't make any sense in September, where he's you know pulling pitchers when he shouldn't, and all the stuff that you would look to a manager with, and there's leaks coming out about how things are changing and not the way that they were, like that would be a failure of a season. If we walk out of it with a shortstop, middle of the pack in power, and the manager of the future, two thumbs up success. All right, so you are looking for, so let's just go back to last year. The Braves had 307 home runs. Uh, the Guardians uh, hit a whopping 124. To get to the middle of the pack, that means you want to get to, what, 15? So 15 would be the Cubs. And the Cubs, home runs last year, do, 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 on my little grid, 196. So you almost have to get to 200 if you're playing by the same rules as last year. Uh, that would be an increase of almost 75 home runs. Yeah. Is this team capable of 75 home runs more than they did last year? Man, if Rokio adds you 25, 20. Okay, now you're up to 150, which still. We're really going to do math on the If you go 150, just let's just say Rokio gives you, say you get your 124 and Rokio gives you 25 more. You know what place you're in? Hmm. 30th, you're still in last place. Yes. Oh, oh, still in last place if you go off of last year's numbers. But you need to hammer that one home to me. They were horrible. They were, they, they're an abomination when it comes to power. Their numbers are sad. And it's just like, you've got to get some power in this lineup. I know that they think they could bring guys in and who are really good bat to ball, really good contact guys, and train them to hit the ball hard over the fence. I know that's their philosophy. That's what they've been saying all offseason. That's what they've been saying this season, too. We look at guys who are bat to ball knowing that we can teach them power. Well, it hasn't happened yet. Here, you want to be even sadder? Think about it this Why way. Why are you making me sad? I'm enjoying this. The Braves hit 307 home runs last year. Oh, now see, now this is just mean. The Nationals hit 151, okay? If they double that, they still don't have as many home runs as the Braves did last year. By the way, fantasy baseball players, get your C.J. Abrams stock now. The kid's a star. And the Guardians were still 26 home runs behind the Nationals. Yeah, it's, it's not good. It's 27, sorry. They were brutal. They, they they were brutal. Their outfield was getting out hit. I mean, I'll never forget. What was it? It was 2022 or was it 21 that they brought in Eddie Rosario? And that Eddie Rosario out homered the entire Guardians outfield. Like when they brought him in. Like they, there has been a serious lack of power in that outfield for a very long time. Like, I mean, there's so little power out there. You could call it Amish. Like that's that's really where we are. And so... Like, at some point, you have to hit the ball over the fence, right? Did you really just say that? Yes. No offense to her. You know, didn't mean that offensively. It's just the truth. There's nothing out there. I don't know, man. I was driving out. Where was I? Estabula County last week. I need to get out to Amish I, And it was late. I, I tell you, those buggies are souped up now. Compared oh, to they the are, way man. they were when I was a kid. Really nice. I think about it. 
I need to get Lights, out. I got to pick kind of see the whole up. deal. I don't, yeah, I got to pick some stuff. They up. seem to be safer than they need were. a wooden spoon. Supposedly, that's where you go to get a really good wooden spoon. What Amish? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. That's what I was told by multiple people. Wouldn't that make sense? Yeah, you'd think. Okay, it's the world we live in. But no, they they've they have got to find some power. I mean, whether it's Rokio, whether it's Manzardo, hopefully Estevan Floreal comes around and, and finally gets a chance and, and pops and solves some of the things that have plagued him when he was in New York. He was a really highly talented prospect. And I hope that he is here because it was a log jam and because they didn't find a home for him and that maybe the guards and maybe Chris Valleca looked at him, saw something, was like, I can fix this. I can tweak this. I can move this. And this kid can take off. Because, boy, it would be awesome to drop him in right field or drop him in center field. Or maybe, I mean, Mandy Bell joined us, what, about a week ago? Saying that the guy who looked the best in camp, Miles Straw, added a whole bunch of muscle to him. Maybe that's so we hear. Maybe so that's right, let me let me ask you this question. We'll answer this when we come back. Okay. This was the second question that was driving my thoughts as I asked Hoinsey, you know, about the changes in the ballpark and how they might affect the ball in play, especially the wind coming through. I mean, there are physically seats that are gone, like sections that are gone that are now terrace flats, like. All kinds of seats that are gone. I encourage you to go to their website to go look at the animation drawings. And then as I was watching it, I was like, am I more excited about seeing what the ballpark looks like for the first time? Or am I more excited about seeing this team? Answer that when we come back. 216-474-0092. Baskin and Phelps with Dan Menigan. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 